Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic Life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Bonsai balls! They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck! They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations and download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl. Healthy, delicious. Ashland. Hard seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only 100 calories. All organic. No sugar. Also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Also supported by Octopus, the massive corporate juggernaut. Octopus, making stuff for people who actually surf. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. (laughs) Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. Our guest this week, a second generation business owner serving 20 communities in three and a half states. (laughs) (laughs) You've heard the phrases, do it yourself or the helpful place. Well, you guessed right, Crown Ace Hardware takes pride in customer service, stocking premium brands. Gosh, being a community resource. (laughs) Being a community resource. Who wrote this? Hiring experienced, award winning, helpful teams. Got that from your mission statement, and we're excited (laughs) to hear about what it takes to live up to your mission statement, the most helpful hardware store on the planet. Planet. Yes, we welcome Mark Shoe Line. Shoe Shoe Line. Shoe Line. Shoe Shoe Line. First off, I'm going to have to commend Late Night Hair because his intros are pretty fucking good. I use them all the time for 
Thank you. For the first this, post. This is, this nice. is rare. You hear that, folks? This is rare. I think the first compliment I've ever gotten from Come this on, guy. dude. Well, it's July 5th. I'm sure it was a big night last night, so maybe it Gosh. softened some edges, right? By half, dude. Yeah. Yeah. By half. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Today is nice July show. 5th, and everyone's kind of a little foggy, maybe a little bit. Where are those beers? I mean, Ashlyn's. Where are those? Ashlyn. <laughs> Ashlyn's are sitting right there on the counter, bro. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Dude. I have to be honest with you, Ace Hardware is definitely like my go-to. No, no brown nosing, but I do like going there before anywhere else. You're just saying that because I just brought you a swag bag. No, dude, I'm, I'm being serious, man. I, he, I like that place. Yeah, he's um, he's not very handy over here, so he needs all the expertise <laughs> uh, on on hand staff that you have. Oh yeah. He's uh, he needs a little help in the in the hardware. Well, you don't look familiar, but I met your wife. She's the one that's in there all the time, from what I <laughs> recollect. But no, we appreciate it. We're yeah, still, yeah. But yeah, we're stoked to uh, get you on the show. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah, you got. It. Well, thanks first and foremost. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. You yeah. know, I I, I I listen to the podcast. I'm a full podcast dork. I'm a cool. surf turkey. And, uh, but it's funny, and I just have to admit to the listeners first and foremost, I was skimming through, there's a lot of pods I still haven't heard yet, I've yeah. listened to quite a few, I'm like, check, 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 I'm like, fuck, I think I'm the worst surfer they've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> there's a good chance I'm the worst one you've ever had, so hopefully not, but I'm, yeah. I've got to be close to the bottom. Yeah. But as long as you're cool, it's all matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we know you're cool, so that's good. Right, I appreciate that. So where did you uh, find surfing? Yeah, okay, well, we're going back. So I grew up in Newport not too far from here and I started surfing when I was 10. I started boogie boarding when I was younger. My parents, so my parents grew up in New York and Ohio. Not not a lot of surf there and they got, they moved out to Long Beach but no surf background. They never had the opportunity to be into the beach and I found it, I don't know, my mom used to take me down to the beach all the time We used to boogie board and when I was 10 I was like, I want to surf and they're like, the only way you're going to surf is you take lessons. I took lessons at Newport Pier when I was 10 years old and I was a little tripped out. I remember yeah. seeing a sand shark and I was like, oh, and I didn't start again until I was 12. And then I started hard. I went hard after when I was 12. So, so did you live in Long Beach first? You know, we moved to Newport when I was a year old. Okay. So that's all I remember. Yeah. And um, Newport is different now yeah. than it was back then. Yeah. But um, I haven't ventured very far. I'm still there. Yeah. And uh, other than going to school in San Diego and a fair bit of travel, I've been yeah. in Newport my and whole life. taking lessons, like back then, not that you're old, but... Back then, there wasn't a lot of people doing surf schools, right? No, but there was one under the pier. And I remember... You're talking blackies? Blackies, pre-soft tops. Yeah. Um, You know, my kids would say, there was a time before soft tops? That's (laughs) all we ride. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? Yeah, don't don't date us. I know, right? We used to think of soft tops like mopeds. Like, you don't want to get caught riding one of those things, right? Mopeds are pretty rare. They're cool now, right? (laughs) See, they've come around. What's old is new, I guess. But... Um, yeah, so they made me go down that path. They knew nothing about it. They weren't super stoked that I was interested in it. And that trend kind of follows as I got older. They were like not super yeah. keen on me being a quote unquote surfer. Because yeah. of the stereotype of yeah. like the life. Yeah, because you know? that, so I would have started surfing if I was, that was like 1980, probably 79, 80 that I took my first lesson. Yeah. yeah. So that's not, you know, I was born in 69. My parents, yeah. 69, like surfers in the 60s, right? We all know what that reputation yeah. was. Oh, they yeah. were not, and they were from, again, Ohio and New York. They were yeah. not keen on it. They wanted sport, yeah. kind of clean cut. Yeah. And I did, my brother, my younger brother went down that path. My older brother kind of went down that path. I didn't really go down that path. 
but I just got, I was super passionate about it. I really don't remember the catalyst for it. I just loved the beach and I loved the water. And The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Boogie boarding just seemed like a natural push in the surf. And I think that's the, the most simple like progression of like getting introduced is, you know, boogie board, body surf, and yeah. then kind of like work your way. It's rare you just go straight to surfboard. Yeah. You know, you got to get acclimated to the water, the waves and the Did you, sand uh, charts. Did you <laughs> have friends that were surfing too? Yeah. You know what? A bunch of us started at the same time. Cool. And um, I moved. That's we, all it takes. Yeah. You know, we moved like, we lived, I don't know, two miles inland, quote unquote, mm-hmm. here in, in Newport. We moved into Corona Mar when I was in junior high school. And so we had like little Corona, big Corona and coves and down to El Moro. That became my spot. And it was, you know, yeah. Newport was sand bottom, Huntington sand bottom, but coves was rocks and, and reefs and uh, kelp. And it was a different environment, but nobody surfed there. It yeah. was kind of private at the time. It was before all the development of today. And so that's, I kind of grew up surfing with nobody around, just a couple buddies and we all got into it. And then as I progressed, like so many others in this area, you kind of start at the lower streets and work your way up in Newport. You know, you start at Blackies and you work up. And if you get good enough, you're surfing 54, 56. And yeah. that was my progression like everybody else. That's crazy. And in Corona Del Mar, there's, I mean, like you said, there's rocks and reefs and stuff, but it also doesn't break all that often depending on like the angle, the swell, or, you know, it's not like you could just hop out every day probably. No, and it's one of those things where there's still some of my buddies that surf it every day. They know all the little nooks yeah. and crannies, certain swells, wind, blah, blah, blah. I liked peaky, reliable beach break, <laughs> knock and run. Like I ran over too many rocks. I got stuck under too much kelp. And I just, yeah. I really preferred Newport. Um, and I would ride my bike to Newport all the time when yeah. I was a kid before a driver's life from all the way down there. And I'd spend the whole day down there. And that was like the genesis of me, like learning about the industry and wanting to be in like, just, I was just a surf turkey as a kid. I, yeah. We were down there and a couple of my buddies and I, we'd ride our bikes all summer long, yeah. every weekend during school. I would leave my house in Cronomar at 4.30 in the morning with socks on my hand. I had one of those racks <laughs> on the back of my beach cruisers. Yeah, the, the straight up the, one. The yeah. one where you, if you went down a curb wrong, you'd smash the nose, which I did all the time. I learned how to fix surfboards, which I did a lot in high school for other people. But um, it was all riding there. But I, I was just, I was like kind of ADD. And I would just go early morning, pick up my buddies on Balboa, take the first ferry across, surf all day, hang out surfside. We knew where to eat for as little as possible. 
post up at Surfside and watch videos. Those are the good old days. And then days, ride back right? as late as we could, you know, and that was it. What What was your first surfboard? First surfboard was a five, six, small faces twin fin with, with channels. Nice. And it was, I bought it, it was from Frog House. My buddy, Kevin Fisher, bought it. I bought it from him. And it looked like a, you know, it looked like a Porsche. Like, it thing looked so fast and killer. And But it was a little twin fin. It was like a five, six skateboard and I needed something more so I traded that for a pouch McCoy 5.9 round pin single fin yellow with white like I still remember those there's yeah. a million boards I don't remember but I remember those first ones and yeah. that single fin changed everything way more float way more stability and I learned how to surf on that I remember my first cutback on that like that changed the game yeah. and I just went from there that's crazy I could never ride a single fin yeah. you know like my first board that I bought was a garage made like twin fin with channel bottom hmm. and it, it worked insane but I learned on a single fin but the first waves that I stood up and cut was on a like a 7-0 purple lightning bolt That's huge. <laughs> single fin yeah it's yeah. really hard to get mo- like you know just to get that rail set on, yeah. on anything yeah. go down the line is tough and I was too uh, I didn't really have any older friends that surf like I, we were all learning kind of together and so you know if you're smart you would have grabbed a bigger bo- I would have grabbed a bigger board yeah. yeah but it didn't even occur to us yeah and I wanted that I wanted you want to cool too you know? yeah so I'm sure it took me a lot longer to learn like it took me a while between that trade I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna learn on this board and it took a you know it yeah. probably extended out but here we are 40 plus years later I, yeah what's another month of learning you know that and, and you know you, you know trying out your friends boards too you know like everybody's got like their own unique you know board that they got second hand or used or whatever and it's like you see a friend get a, a good wave or something you're like dude i want to let you know sure. let's try your board and but those first couple boards are always bad yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> like you're you're always struggling to like it's either too big or too it's it's not you know you don't really have much choices you know so so when did you did you start getting better and better like yeah i was super passionate about it and that's yeah. kind of been like what i've learned about me over the years is like i just dog on a bone on stuff until i kind of master <laughs> it not that i'm the best of it but like once i master it then i'm like all right i i What's next? Yeah. How do I take this to the next level? And so shortboarding was it for a super long time. Yeah. Um, but again, we were down there all the time. I mean, I, I mentioned like I got my job, my very first job at Surfside when I was 13, running boogie boards in the parking lot all summer long. And I couldn't like that's where we hung. Like that's yeah. it was you know I might be jumping ahead, but that's where we wanted to hang. And that's so we were bouncing between Newport Surf and Sport, Russell, um, Surfside around the corner. You had. For a while, it was uh, Local Motion, which one I had Local Motion. That was, I think, my first brand new board. Local Motion had a shop. Yep. down there. Yep. Wow. Not for very long, and you know you had you had Shroff over there. So yeah, I mean this is again mid early eighties. Yeah, and that's all I wanted. I just wanted to be there. So I begged them to give me a job, and they probably didn't even pay me, but I worked there as a kid, and I, I ended up working at Surfside for a bunch of years. You know, going yeah. on into high school. I don't think, the, yeah, it's never about the money. It's always just about like status and and, and the prestige, having a, and the prestige like and having being, a hookup for like being a grom working at a surf shop. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? That's right. like, yeah. that's a cool thing. It's a dream job. Yeah, it's a dream job. <laughs> totally. But it's it's crazy. Um, you know, you mentioned Newport uh, Surf and Sport, and was it Russell? You said or yep, Russell yeah, Russell was right there. Yeah. So who Still were the who were the kids you were looking up to at that time? 
Oh man. Um, locally, you know, it's funny because I can think back. Like I walked in 17th Street Surf Shop a couple years ago. There's Bud Lamaset, and I was like, oh, yeah. I had your picture up on my wall. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, there's so especially living around here. Like there was, yeah. Dude, when I was older, you were on my list. Like there was so many. He's pointing at me, Jay. Yeah. Pointing at Jay. <laughs> pointing at me. For those that aren't. You know, early VHS days of the oh, yeah. Taylor Steele I stuff. Know, you were right in there. Um, yeah. It was insane. So, you know, locally, who are the guys? I, I'm drawing a blank here. I mean, I remember like later on, like the Robbie Todds, Todd Miller. Yeah. You know, I grew up surfing with Todd. Like a lot of my friends, the guys I grew up with, just outperformed me forever. Like yeah. the Todd Bowsmans and the David Roses. Both of those guys were roommates of mine, still good friends of mine. That's funny. Um, you go on and on and on. Yeah. There was like the Giddings, you know, and then we get into the guys Giddings. that shaped the boards that I went to high school with. So you got Giddings and Wooly and, you know, I grew up in this little microcosm of yeah. ripping surfers, shapers, and then industry guys that yeah. was still... It, was Estrada around that? Like Dave and Dave yeah. Estrada? Uh, he was around, but he wasn't part of like the crew I grew up with. Yeah. I'm trying to think I'm of I'm just looking I, at like shapers and guys that were kind of like... But you know what I, who I remember is like, obviously Richie was light years ahead of us, but he wasn't next generation. He was like my generation, but like at a whole nother yeah, strata. Yeah, yeah. But like I remember guys like Smirk Mangan. Yeah. Like just... And I remember a day at the point. We grew up surfing the point before the point was really popular unless it was big. Yeah. And there was a day that was... I remember just being massive and I don't know if there's a name to the swell or anything like we would do today, but like Sean Thompson <laughs> was there. Yeah. Smirk was out there. Like all these heavies and it was like... I, felt, I was watching Pipe in my backyard, you know, it was unbelievable. Crazy. I love that stuff. Yes. I have really cool memories of just, I was never at that, I was never at that level. I was yeah. good enough to know what was going on. I was good enough to surf reasonably yeah. well, but like, there was a whole nother level ahead of me. Yeah. Or, yeah. or five levels ahead of me. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's crazy how like, you, you probably put in just as much effort, and this is no down talk, but you know, just the way like certain people like a Richie, you know, was able to like Dude. accelerate so yeah. much at that, that age versus like the other kids that are. I never like cracked that. the code, <laughs> yeah. never. but you know what, but that's in every sport. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think at every level for sure. I mean, all the guys on the ASP growing up was sl competing against Slater. They said like, how come I could never get there? Yeah. Or if it's, you're at the bottom of the top 32, like yeah. I can never get to the top. And for me and most of soul. my sports, I always <laughs> said like, I'm better than a lot of people. There's a lot of people better than me. And whether yeah. that's, that's in surf or in prone paddling yeah. or anything I've done, I've never been in the elite group. Yeah. I might be in the front of the chase pack, yeah. but I've never cracked the code to get to the top. But as long as you're having fun. And that's, that's, what, and, that, that's, and, that's it. and that's the bottom line. And, there's, and it seems like there's always room for improvement. Like you're never going to be maxed out. Like, oh, I'm not going to get, you know, age obviously and injuries are going to probably be the, the two factors that really slow things down, you know? But there, Yeah, there was a long time that I was like, fuck, how do I get to the next level? Yeah. How do I... How do I, how do I crack the code? How do, do I, and I've learned over the years of competing against some of those people. Yeah. Like in prone paddling, like Jamie Mitchell, just cause everybody, you know, Jamie won the Molokai paddle, 32 mile paddle race 10 years in a row. So crazy. It's like goat, right? Like Slater-esque. Yeah. But he would say like, I know that I'm willing to put myself in the hospital to win this race. Nobody else will go that hard. And you're like, I'm never willing to work that hard. I'm just yeah. not, like I don't have that. Like yeah. I do not have that in my it's, mojo. So yeah. So where you're, you're, you said your parents weren't obviously beachgoers coming from, you know, New York and Ohio. Ohio. And um, I mean, they're, you're living at, you know, the Mecca of beach communities, you know, especially with surfing. Like, were they, you know, no helping you get new boards? Were they, were they like supportive of you? Did you, did you ever get into contests? Um, Staying out of trouble? So 
I'll answer the contest. I work, I always like everybody probably at, at my level. I just wanted to be on a team. I yeah. wanted to be sponsored. I wanted the swag. Yeah. I wanted that recognition, you know, that, Hey, you're on team uh, late night. We're talking now. Yeah. Dude, I'm <laughs> scored right here. I'm set. We are too. We're, we're, we're on the team at base. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I did surf contests, mostly local and school stuff. Yeah. Um, mostly, you know, I, I, again, I would go through those. I would make a couple rounds, maybe. Um, but I, I was, I knew my place. I learned yeah. pretty quick. I mean, you learn, you got to, not to, like these days, if you're not, winning contests at nine years old, your future is already kind of written for you as far as, you're yeah. gonna be a fun surfer, you're not gonna, back then it wasn't that, it wasn't quite that Oh, it's crazy now, huh? It's gnarly. Yeah. Like I started at 10, I thought, you know, I now surf for 40 plus years, but you know, I watched Andrew Doheny, I watched Michael push him in yeah. every morning for years. Yeah, yeah. And it worked, but again, yeah. am I willing to work that hard for me or for my kids or to yeah. push? I, I'm not a tiger dad. No. Um, and I didn't have the eye of the tiger to work that hard myself in anything. I worked yeah. super hard, not that hard. Yeah. Um, so contest, <laughs> yes. Was I good enough? No, but it was fun. I only have one claim to fame yeah. and I'm going to drop it here because this is my one chance. <laughs> I, I won. So I got really into stand up. Don't hold against me at the beginning of stand up. Um, this is really the, end, the beginning of the end of talking about it on this podcast. But I was in one contest on stand up. Again, I got into it very early, mostly in the surf, some yeah. downwind and racing stuff. But I had one heat at a contest at Sano. I had Jerry Lopez in my heat, and I won the heat. No way! So that's my one claim to fame in a contest. I haven't won. I haven't won any contests. Yeah. I haven't won a lot of heats, but the one I won, I beat Jerry. Yeah. So hey, it's memorable. Mic right drop. There. That's yeah. it. That, that's a <laughs> mic dropper right yeah. there. That's my claim. Um, <clears throat> Jay, you're asking about my folks. Yeah. My folks are rad. They're still together. They said their 55th anniversary awesome. last week. They're super supportive, but I was a punk. My yeah. younger and older brother were very kind of mainstream, great guys following my parents' lead. And I was like the black sheep, self in, self-induced black sheep. Yeah. And I just surf skate snow. My brother was tennis and golf. My older brother was, is brilliant. And he went that way and he was a runner. So I was that middle child kind of going my own way. And um, they were supportive. They allowed me to do it until I got to high school. So I was surfing twice a day, yeah. you know, living in Cronomar. I could get there before school, after school. But when I got to high school, my parents said, here's the deal. You're going to be 16 next year. Yeah. If you want to drive a car and drive to school, you have to play a sport. Ooh. Surfing isn't a sport. And I'm like, wow. oh. They're like, so you can either determine what sport you want to play and play it. Or you can surf all day and take the bus. Yeah. And I'm like, you could still surf, but you just had to do it. I had sport. to play. A it wasn't sport. like yep. they're taking, you know, taking it and away. For better or worse, a lot of the guys that I surfed with, a lot of my friends I grew up with, were playing polo. Yeah. And water polo then isn't like today. Like my school was elite level, but like now it's so mainstream and you start so young. But the guys I that I so I ended up playing. Yeah. Our coach went on to be an Olympic, you know, water polo player. He still uh, coaches stamp like. Elite, elite. A bunch of the guys on my team, Olympics, national level, blah, blah. Like, and I was a surfer that was doing it because I had, had to, to. To get a car. And I had never swum competitively. So I would say I could swim all day, but I couldn't swim fast. And the standing joke is my very... So and when you play water polo, I think when you're... Does your I daughter, do, yeah. Your kids yeah. do. So I don't know if it's the same today because my kids don't play polo, but you had to be on the swim team in the off-season for polo. So you were always swimming and it was before school after school yeah. but the coach and I didn't get along yeah and that's that's another thing that kind of helped me kind of determine who I was going to be in my future was my water polo coach 
who I won't name right now, John Vargas, he's selling the gun. But again, he's world class, I wasn't, so it's probably more on me, but we just did not get along. Yeah. And I never got any instruction on swim stroke. And the first, so you have to swim. Yeah. The first um, swim meet he put me in, he put me in the 200 IM. Oh my gosh. 200 IM is all four strokes, 50 meters of each. I had never done butterfly in a race. I never, I didn't know how to do the kick turns right. So afterward, they, and I can see them, they're like waving a flag over me. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant. So I do the whole thing and I get out and they had discon, uh, disqualified, disqualified me eight times. Yeah. <laughs> and I, ran, I swam the whole damn thing. I was dead last. I DQ'd eight times and I was pissed. So that, that kind of sums up my swimming career. Yeah. Water polo, I got big fast. I got really into the fitness side of it. I was lefty. That kept me going for a while, but I never played at the top level. Yeah. And I played for a few years. What's ironic is my parents let me quit as a junior, and I went on surf team and the sailing team. And from a water polo perspective, I was happy to never play it again. Yeah. But I did learn about fitness because we had to work out super hard in the gym, and I got really fit. And all of a sudden, no, oh, the girls are paying attention. You know? <laughs> and I can paddle, to this I can paddle stuff. way better than I used to when I get a chance to surf. Yeah. So I was like kind of putting two and two together. And it was yeah. fortuitous. And then I ended up lifeguarding the next year, which takes me down the whole path of getting into prone paddling. So we can go down that later if we want. But my parents were supportive to a point, yeah. but they were not really into it. And I might have gotten in a lot of trouble in eighth grade with a big group of surfers mm. that may have helped their decision to push me to yeah. play a real sport. What, what was that? Well, hanging out with shenanigans. Let's just say that um, the Newport Beach police had something to do with it. Uh-oh. <laughs> not, not a good thing when you're in eighth grade yeah. to have a run-in with the Newport Beach police. So, yeah. Um, I think hey, that had something to do with it. I've got a lot of skeletons <laughs> in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Straight and I, narrow from there for me. I can't believe that I ever came out this <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. You know? I think we could all say that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So that's <laughs> so my parents, it was a love-hate. Yeah. And fortunately, I turned out all right. Yeah. And I, yeah. So it's, it's, that's the I, history. I mean, surfing support. back then and even today, it's way different. Like you said, even like all sports, like water polo, like the way, you know, kids are training and the, the amount of you know help that the parents or whether it's good or bad you know like mm-hmm. as far as how much involvement and how crazy they could get or not but but yeah wa- i mean water polo back then they didn't have club teams it's like they yeah. didn't have club teams in anything it yeah. was just kind of like your little local or school yep. you know now they're training like 12 months a year Full like pro athlete style, right? <laughs> yeah. so well you're you're my, my, Lily's like on a team and then she's on another team yeah and she's, she's on a few different teams yeah it's yeah. like where, where does that end well the thing that's gnarly and i don't know if you notice it and again like my son just graduated my oldest just graduated from high school last Congrats. week just a stud and he's he's a great kid great athlete but the way they like you know you watch older movies or even when i was a kid you could be a multi-sport athlete yeah. you could letter in multi-sport now you can't yeah. you're dedicated to one and you Unless you're so good, and maybe yeah. Lily's, unless you're so good that you're saying, screw it, coach, I'm playing both sports. And they're going to, they're yeah. going to, okay, you're good enough, you can do that. But yeah. most, if you're an average athlete, yeah. if you don't show up, you're not playing and full politics and all that stuff. And That's, I think it's kind of a travesty. You don't want to be one, you want to, you want to expose yeah. kids to everything because yeah. most of them are not going to play D1. Yeah. They're not going to be pro. Some are. Yeah. But you know that very, and those kids have the leverage. But the most kids, and this would translate to surf, right? Unless you're at the, that that level, 
you want them to make sure they're going to school, make sure they're getting good grades, yeah, make sure they're doing multiple sports. Because <laughs> right, yeah. only so many people can be world class reps and surf after their surf career. Like, yeah, you got to have an education. Yeah, for sure. And and we preach that a lot. And and it's important. And even you know you know, not just education, but the what do you call it? The work passion, ethic. the passion. The work ethic. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you, you got to have the right like upbringing for for because nothing's ever just handed to you natural talent will only get you so far yeah work ethic is is everything you can and with incredible work ethic you can overcome a lot yeah Yeah. you don't have to be the the you guys can name numerous people in the surf world and probably in the industry world they're not the smartest or they're not the or they're not the best surfer but they've made it way further yeah. than yeah. one would have expected based yeah. on their work they're just yeah. absolute grunt grit work yeah. ethic right yeah yeah and, and in this knowing your 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 place knowing knowing like you know looking at the big picture and, and finding a niche you know like a lot of times there's there's guys out there with maybe not the best ability but they've with their work ethic and and, and you know finding a niche and yeah. stuff and it just gives people there's so much opportunity yeah you, we all look at the the pinnacle of the sports you yeah. know like oh yeah we want to everybody wants to aspire to be that but there's there's a lot of room for everybody to have a, a full successful life and career and still you know have you know an amazing time you so, know? it's funny you were saying how you know multi letters and multi sports like yeah that, that, yeah that doesn't happen anymore because people focus you know well with you right with with Lily mm. like she is doing Swim water polo, yeah. so she swim and water polo still are hand in hand, just because it's a good off. Yeah. off but yeah. that's her pathway to a good college education, for right? Sure. For sure. And and I think that there's so much more intense, you know, focus on that, you know, yeah. where back then it wasn't as crucial. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like if you're not if you're not like uh, being scouted. Yeah. Right for one particular thing, then it's, and there, it's a I lot think tougher. There's, yeah, and I think there's so many things that play into that. Like if you were to focus like under the microscope of surf, like what gets people to the top level, right? You look at the Brazilians. Obviously, most of those guys have come from no financial background, and it's pure. Hungry. Yeah, right. It's almost like NFL and NBA. Like a lot of these people are, they've got nothing to lose. They will work harder than anybody else, and oftentimes you get maybe the Orange County surf pros. Some of them will make it, yeah. you know, the Bretts will make it and some of these guys and they're incredible, but a lot of them don't make it that far. Growing up in Newport, some of the incredible elite level surfers never make it out of Newport. And you're like, how do you not become one of the best in the world? Like you have the skill, you have the support, yeah. you know, everybody in this, how did you like, oh yeah. yeah. And so I'm a huge believer in coaching, parenting, um, yeah. guidance, mentoring, you know, all those things that now is such a core part of sport. Yeah. Back then it wasn't, and you know, getting kids direction and adults direction to become their best, like yeah. it's so important. I we were talking about, um, Linda, we were talking about your neighbor who, ironically, was my high school yeah. woodshop teacher. So crazy, so crazy. <laughs> your neighbor yeah. was your, wood and he was an inspirational teacher. one. And I share with my kids and folks that I work with all the time. I've said it a million times. Dave he, Larson, not Dave. Yeah, Dave Larson, legend, and, and honestly, he falls in this category. I always say this, especially with my kids, but. You will remember your best coaches and teachers and your worst. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of vanilla. Yeah. And those two 
bookends will, if you're fortunate, if you apply it, will help direct where you go with your life and how you approach the world. Like, I want to be like Bob Hurley. Yeah. Yeah. I've used this quote for years. I want to be like Bob. I've had a chance to have some really incredible interactions with Bob. I want to be like him. I walked with him through the whole campus. He took me and my kids, walked through. I thought it was going to be a secretary. He walked us through. He introduced us to everybody. Everybody's running to him to go, Bob, look what we're doing. Hey, Bob. Bob's like, hey, Jay, how's your kids? What's going on? How? Like, it was unbelievable. And I was like, that's, that's the way I want to lead. Yeah. And then I think back to the water polo coach that I will not name, John Vargas, <laughs> and, um, and another guy that I, one of my first big jobs out of college um, down in San Diego. I will never, like those guys are crystal clear in my head how, how I will never interact with people. Yeah. I will never treat people the way I was treated. So yeah. it's super formative. And so I'm just, I always try to leave that way and try to leave that impression and mentor where I can. And yeah. it makes life way more fun. And if I can have just this much, you know, yeah. impact on somebody, game on. Yeah. yeah. So so you said you, you started working at Surfside at 13. 13. Doing, doing the boogie, boogie board, board rental. Yep. I that, couldn't have been happier too. Yeah. That was the best place to work as a grom. So, I mean, that's just like check, checking it in and out and, and cleaning up yep. everything, hosing it down. And, all, and it was such a heckle fest because who's running boogie boards at Newport? <laughs> yeah. It's all the people that didn't have them. They come, right? It's not very different from today. They're, it's all the tourists. And when you're 13, you're, you're just, and you think you're cool. You yeah. think you can surf. You're I'm from the beach. Working, and we're giving shit to the valves. And, you know, like it was, I don't pride myself on it, but that's what it was. And, yeah. you know, we would... We walk around like we own the place. Like, Har- yeah. Harmless yeah. fun, you know. Harmless like, fun. Yeah. Talking, yeah. talking. Crowd board sure. rental. Like, and I'd sit out in the parking lot, get sunburned all day, and try to <laughs> talk to the girls. And I'd go eat, you know, pizza from next door, and they get a shave ice from next door to that, and just then walk around and just look at boards and talk to the guys in the different shops and just hang. It was Scott and Mindy that owned it back then. Mindy Clark worked there. She didn't own it. It was okay. a woman named Kathy. Okay. Um, Mindy, I still know. She's a world class paddler. Mm-hmm. Um, I still see her around. But um, Hoppa George, Vince, Vince is still industry, um, Wendell Wong, yeah, um, yeah. a number of different guys that all worked there. When Vince was there. Salazar. Yeah, Vince yeah. Salazar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went on to be, I think, Oakley or... He did, I think, Oakley. Yeah. He worked for Nike. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, Ma- yeah, he Ma- goes Ma- for... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's in a few, few spots. I'm not sure what he's yeah. doing now, but he, he follows us yeah. on Instagram. We love Vince. He's yeah. awesome. You know, you just yeah. mentioned Maui. Um, Maui Jim. Maui Jim. No, I wasn't thinking Maui Jim. I was thinking Maui and Sons. And the uh, one mm-hmm. you did with, uh, with Jeff Jeff oh, Dude, that was one so of the best. Like, I love that because I grew up in that area. Yeah. Like, I, it's a funny story. I went away to summer camp in like junior high or el- late elementary school for a month. Came back. A and, month? <laughs> yeah. My parents were like, you're out. And everybody's wearing Maui and Sons. And I was like, what are Like, I remember being like, what, what are those? Everybody had them. And I went over to Hobie's and Chrome Mar, and uh, like that was the hottest thing. And when I listened to your pod, yeah. he talked all about that generation. Like yeah. I was like, I was there. Like I remember yeah. that exactly. And he's talking about growing up in Chrome Mar. I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, I go to Yoki shop. My CPA is right upstairs from him. I mean, I, I go there all the time, but Funny. like just, I love the history. Yeah. That was like the first brand people. that went like boutique and surf, like at the same time. And it blew up like yeah. everywhere. Isn't it crazy yeah. though? The number of people, Number of brands that have come out of here. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Most of the ones that that we know of, except for Billabong and Quicksilver, yeah, you know, have derived from Hunter. Well, welcome. Yeah. We're outer known. I can see the truck yeah. right outside. <laughs> so you know, you you went on these um, you know school camps or whatever. You go on these surf trips, like oh, with, yeah. like I'm sure if your parents were 
obviously supporting going, you're probably hitch, hitching a, a ride with another family. You know or, what? We didn't, other than Hawaii, my yeah. family wasn't doing much more surf-wise. My, we were, my dad was an incredibly hard worker and my folks started with zero. So we were up and coming, but the, the, the trips were pretty much Hawaii if we went. My That's parents would go and leave us at home. Yeah. They'd go to Europe, et cetera. But as far as surf trip, my yeah. surf trips didn't really start other than Hawaii. Um, which was like family trip with boards. Yeah. And my, I, I have fought like Waikiki and like Waikiki, you know, staying, yeah, yeah, staying yeah. in Turtle Bay and yeah. stuff. And epic, but like lugging boards and my parents, like it was before we had board bags, like big, big travel big. boxes. And like, I'm like, fuck, I would never have done that for my kids. So I, I'm like, mom and dad, big props. Cause it was a full hassle for yeah. For two guys. Remember the old soft there. top like racks where you had to hook them under the door. Oh, you yeah, had a yeah. strap going Dude. through. Yeah. Like just it Total. was so complicated and with so the hard with the phone. Oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. thing sucked. Sucked. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't until I got to college and I went to school in San Diego and I was super narrow. Like I only wanted to go to I only went after schools from San Diego to Santa Barbara and Hawaii. So you're a good student, obviously. I was good enough well, it's way harder now. Yeah. I, it's unbelievable how hard it is oh, now. But I, yeah. I was Good enough to get in. And it was another one of my teachers that taught with your neighbor, Mr. Larson, that I believe was my marine science teacher, which was a passion of mine. He, I guarantee that he's the one that got me in. I went to University of San Diego and uh, lived in Mission Beach with all my buddies that went to San Diego State. We can name, uh, talk about a dozen industry yeah. guys that I went, I lived with down there. Um, this is in the... It's like the sister city of Newport, you know, mission down there. Like, yeah. You know, just totally. like. So <laughs> totally. going back to high school, what were your jobs in high school? Like, did you I worked at Surfside for a few years. And then I worked at the Balboa Beach Company, Jeff Roberts, who went on to be at Volcom and 311. Yeah. And they're, now, they're now doing Black Rifle Coffee in Texas. He's oh, now wow. on that, which is crazy. Wasn't he doing 511 Tactic or yep. whatever? Yep. He's no longer there. But Jeff and I grew up since kindergarten together. Crazy. And so we were in San Diego together. Um, Remember his dad owned, or was it his yeah, dad owned Jim. Pacific I's and T's? Or no, they owned, something. Uh, they owned the Balboa Beach Company. Okay, Balboa And Beach Jeff, Company. so Jim, um, Jim Roberts' dad, incredible guy, musician. He owned Balboa Beach Company on, on Balboa oh. Island and the hardware store, ironically, next door and he closed it expanded the the beach company i worked there for a few years with a bunch of my friends including jeff and jeff after college took that store concept and and turned it into a multi-unit like 20 doors um jeff's been doing retail surf yeah. since we were in high school one of the best guys most charismatic smart guys yeah and uh, just a stud and so i worked there what and was I, that called Balboa beach company okay on Balboa island another little more like Surfy, but more soft goods than hard goods. Some hard goods. Um, and at the same time, my dad had the hardware stores. He had a small chain. He had started in Crown Amar. That's our name. Crown Hardware is the name of our brand, or the bulk of our brand. But it started with a store that opened in 1949 in Crown Amar. Corona Del Mar means crown of the sea in Spanish. Crown Hardware mm. is where the name comes from, and we kept it going. But so I was working in surf, which was my passion. My dad, at the same time, was running retail hardware stores. He had a few at that time. And um, I never really, until I was in college, I never worked for my dad. I was always handy and super into stuff. But like my dad and I, 
love him to death and I'm blessed to still have my folks close to me. But like we were, when I was that age, I was head to head with my dad. Yeah. And uh, there was no, what were you going to school for? So I ended up, my passion was marine science and art. Those are my two degrees from USD. So I thought I wanted to be like Wyland meets Jacques Cousteau. Like that's what I wanted to be. And I became a scuba scuba instructor. Like it was anything to keep me in the water. So I, I, and I don't like what I learned and I mentioned like I'm all about like mastery so I didn't want to just dive I wanted to like become an instructor which I did and then I want like okay I want to go when I get to after college so we talked about I'll take it back to surf trips in college a lot of my buddies you know, were in San Diego we were living at Mission a lot of guys surfed really well one of my best friends from Maui really really good surfer and a bunch of the guys from the surf team we went down to mainland Mex it was like my first real surf trip Pasquale's Tikla and here's the joke, and it goes back to what I said at the very beginning of this pod. Like, I'm probably the worst surfer on your pod. So in the first day at Pasquale's, and Pasquale's pumping, pumping um, you know, it's like the stepbrother of or stepsister of uh, Porto. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I broke two boards on my first two waves. Oh, my God. And that's all I took down there. So I was, like, borrowing boards, and it took me a while to, like, figure it out. But, yeah, two boards. Back to two back. Waves, back to back. That's, that's, yeah, that's what it does down there, man. It's just freaking mean and, and meaty. But they have the best ding repair guys ever. Like, yeah. they'll pick up. I don't care how bad your board is. The next morning, it'll, it'll show up with it, like, it's unbelievable. back together. Perfect. But it didn't, but not then. Not, not a, then, I now. Think yeah. had it. Tiklo was still, like, there was nothing there. We were sleeping yeah. in hammocks under palapas and scavenging, but it was insane. And I learned a lot. I learned that I was really bad, bad in slabby waves, <laughs> that I'm a terrible backhand barrel rider. And, uh, but give me a good point break and I'm good. And so we found a really good point down there. We had a ball and I was with some really good surfers that were, I had a great time and I've been, so I was able, that started some passion. I've done a ton of surf travel, yeah. a lot of dive travel, um, a lot of backpacking travel, yeah. done a lot of it. Really yeah. lucky. Yeah. So, I, I think traveling is so important, you know, for, you know, just, oh my God, you, every, you know, just, yeah. just about getting a, a better rap on, you know, different cultures, community life cultures and, and just. Especially travel and, yeah. and like traveling gives you a good humbling experience sometimes. And well, because it's, it's never easy. Yeah, you got yeah. flights. You're going here, but there's totally. there, you know there's there's a million in, in one thing. Especially back then before technology. You know. Yeah, right? it was more, definitely more of an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Right. You didn't have you know you didn't have Surfline. You didn't know like there was no predictive stuff. There was no surf camps. Like yeah. we're all oh, I'm going to book this surf camp online and yeah. I'm going to get right. it's all such a night. Oh, three meals included, and they pick you up from the airport. Yeah, none of that. Man. You know what? And that's like that's my dream right there. Those are the best <laughs> surf trips ever. All right. Right. I surf six hours. I need to get a massage. <laughs> Sushi's waiting for me when I get out. In the air conditioning, yeah. you know, it was a little different back then with gunshots and. Yeah. crazy shit happening down in Mex. Um, I was really going back to my parents. So for the challenges, like there's a silver lining on everything in my life. Polo sucked for me, but it got me super fit and got me into lifeguarding, which got me into prone paddling, which has been a big part of my life. Um, it also got me into really good fitness for surf travel. Yeah. And by way of surf travel, I met a ton of people, went a lot of places, had a lot of experiences. And one of the things that my parents, my parents, and you just talked about it with travel, my parents were big travelers, still are. And they recognized the value of it. And we had heard when I was in high school of something called Semester at Sea. Mm. I had never heard of it, but somebody had done it and they told us about it. And I was like, I want to do that. And what Semester at Sea is, is it's university for a whole semester on a ship that goes around the world. Yeah. And so for 100 days, so that was the carrot my parents 
dangled in front of me. Hey, you keep good grades and you can go as a junior. You get bad grades, you're out. I'm like, they were very clear. Like, yeah. college was my job. Yeah. You do well at your job and we'll take care of you. You do poorly at your job, you're on your own. So refreshing and to hear that. We, we tell our kids, like, everything's a like, job. It's a freaking job. It's all yeah. your job. It's all you have to do. Yep. And I've, I've lived that. <laughs> I use that with my kids and everything. Um, and that opened my eyes to everything. I'm trying to get my kids to want to do that. Because yeah. my wife will did say, Did you do it? I did it. Sick. My wife Mick says, Knight did that. What's that? Bob McKnight did that. Did he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, see, I was in good company. It was the best experience of my life. It was unbelievable. And the way that they teach you about how to travel, they teach you like you go there somewhat educated. If their goal was if you take one circle and that's a local and one circle to total tourist, they want to cross over those two circles and that cross section is what they want you to be. So you get there with a working knowledge of just enough to you know find the bathroom and how to say thank you and please, right? Yeah. And what's the economical the economic situation in the country and what's the political situation what's religion and what are the faux pas do this don't do that and yeah. it made it so you're going to Japan and you're you know enough and you get five days in Japan and you just throw a backpack on and go and you pick your friends and go and a few of us took surfboards so I got to surf Japan Taiwan Epic. Uh, we got to surf I got to scuba dive in Kenya I mean dude who at 20 years old like yeah unbelievable but it opened up it opened the world to my eyes. How, how many like students would be on the ship and how many? Five hundred. Holy crap! From all over the country and some. Europe, so it's and basically some a cruise, it, it, a booze cruise. It's a cruise cruise, or as <laughs> like quietly named, called the floating mattress. Yeah. I mean, if you can imagine, twenty-year-olds traveling the world, there's oh, a bar man. on board. There's no sh- like it's game on, but you're also getting a very good education, yeah. an incredible worldly knowledge, yeah. yeah. And dude, you're doing incredible stuff with incredible people, and I still have very close friends from that experience. It was unbelievable. Imagine really cool. 500 raging, crazy, raging, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hormones. It's one giant dorm. Dude, my, my, <laughs> my son just turned 19, and I was on there when I was 20, and I'm like, or maybe I was 21, but I was like. Oh my God, I'm like watching, like my son just had his 19th birthday a few days ago. Yeah. In the back, we kind of entitled them for the first time ever, like party at our house, yeah. we're keeping guardrails on it, but like have a good time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, put 500 of those on a <laughs> ship for 100 days and that's what it was like. You're like, oh my God. But what an experience, right? Unbelievable. And you got an education. Unbelievable. And you got experiences that will last forever. forever. And growing up in Newport, or any high, like anybody as blessed as I've been to grow up where I have, with where I have, with what I have, where we are, yeah. to be able to go and see India and the poverty and the, and just to, yeah. it's a smack in the head that yeah. is so important. It was, it was unbelievable. That's and it's cool. given me such an incredible appreciation for what we've got and where we are. Yeah. And makes me want to go see all those places even more. Yeah. It's insane. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, in, in, in a lot of those countries, you know, really haven't even moved forward much in, no, in sure. regards to infrastructure and health and food and so, you know, like the yeah. basic, you know, needs. It's just crazy. You know? What's crazy is the ones that have moved forward as far as like social, you know, development and like is surf spots, places that have <laughs> surf. I mean, right? Yeah, like yeah we those... talk about this a lot on how. If surfing wasn't around, there'd be there'd be so many places that would, would wouldn't, wouldn't be on exist. the map. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't exist. I mean, you mean, know, look surfing, at better or worse. Yeah, for sure. Surfing yeah. brings good and it brings bad. But I mean, the quality of life 
does get an uptick for, for some for of the locals, sure. you know? Oh, yeah. the locals win. You know, how many places have you guys been to on surf trips where you're like, well, the first time I went there, it was empty and it was epic. The third time I went there, that's my last time. It's yeah. packed now. There's surf camps up and down the beach. Yeah. I saw that in El Salvador and Max. Like, you're like, yeah. all right, on to, let's find the next, like, little crevice that's un, unknown yet. But yeah. even Indo, like, my yeah. first couple times on boat trips, there was nobody. Yeah. No, that's not true. My first boat trip, there was nobody. My second one, there's more. And the third one, you're like, Whew, we got to get a faster boat and go further. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's still the best thing in the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. But you definitely see that evolution, yeah. you know? So bring on bring on pools. <laughs> <laughs> right? Pools, definitely. We won't talk about pools just yet. Yeah. So, so you wanted to be... You were marine, marine biologist, marine, marine kind of science, science. And, art. and art. Yeah. And what was the occupation you were gonna like? Oh, what I told career? you I wanted to be across of of Wyland and Jacques Cousteau. I know, but you what know, does that mean for a job? Like, well, yeah, it's a good question, right? Yeah. Um, I was a scuba instructor. I thought so. I took two years after graduating college. I worked. I worked for a marine science company in San Diego for a few years, and my goal was, and what I did was, I did six months of traveling just solo, backpack, two boards, and my dive gear. And I went Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, and Indo for six months by myself. Damn. And I ran into people everywhere, but I went alone, and it was just incredible. And I got a chance to surf a lot of places. There was places like, you know, I fell in love with New Zealand, and I surfed for a couple days, and I stashed my boards, and then backpacked for a month, because I was like, the surfs might be good, and I can go hunt it, but there's so much culture to see. I want to go do that. It's like, like, I learned early on for me, like, you've got to have across of you've got to be a balance like pure surf trips are amazing but if you're on a boat in yeah. Indo for two weeks and you don't get any exposure to the culture or the people or the food or anything like for me I can't do that anymore like I need that world like a much bigger oyster yeah. you know um, and so I was on the thing that kind of changed my trajectory with my degrees was I kind of figured out on that trip I had a lot of time by myself a lot of time to think I realized I do not want to go back to school and get a you know, Master's graduate degree or, in yeah. marine science, which is really what I would need to do. I really thought I was going to be an outdoor type guy, dive instructor, science, art, whatever. Yeah. Again, non really, no real definition. I was going to try to carve my own path. Yeah. And I was on a on maybe a, start your own business. Yeah. You know, in my I'd always said I wanted, like, at some point I wanted to own a surf shop. That was like my. I grew up in retail. I knew retail. I knew people. Like that's what I wanted to do. But I was going this path for a while. Yeah. And. The thing that really changed it is I, I had been, have been blessed to do a lot of scuba diving. So I do surf trips and I can go dive and I've been on some pure dive trips, schooling hammerheads and that. Like I've been blessed to do a lot of stuff. Shoestring budget, you can do a lot with <laughs> a couple boards and, a, and some yeah. dive gear all over the world. And I was just shoestringing it together before, you know, it's post-college, didn't take me, like I could live cheap for a long time. Indo, yeah. I think I averaged nine bucks a day for two months, yeah. you know? And surf my brains out and had a good time and it was awesome. Yeah. And I could go one star. I didn't have a problem. Yeah. You know, these my wife wouldn't go one star, but I'm I was willing I still might go two star. I don't know if I go one star anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, uh, kind of evolved a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but um, I need a ceiling fan at least. <laughs> right. Well it's funny, one of my buddies <laughs> the mosquito net. <laughs> one of my buddies that did this trip a year before me, who's still a good friend of mine, he had done six months similarly. And he, when I came back, he said, Hey, here's what I've learned. Your first trip you'll you'll go twice as long and spend half as much and each trip thereafter you'll go half as long and spend twice as much yeah and these yeah, days so you go a quarter as long and spend time ten times as much right you throw kids in and all that uh-huh. but um i came up from a dive so i 
ran, I bought an old station wagon in, in, I was staying at the Quicksilver house because I had a mutual friend in Newport Beach, Australia, Northern Beaches, right by where Tommy Carroll was. And they were good friends. I just got super lucky. Through my job at Surfside, I met this guy, Phil Seaglove, that used to be a designer for Quick Australia, doing what Australians do. They'd come to the US and they teach skiing and then they hang at the beach. And this is what this guy, Phil, was doing. And so I, he was living at the Quicksilver house. I got to stay there for two weeks while I hunted for a car and then bought this old wagon and drove it for two months up the East Coast, surfing and camping all the way up, sold it in cans and went diving on the Barrier Reef for a week before I flew to Indo for two months. Wow. Didn't, didn't suck. And on that dive, that week dive on a, uh, on a liveaboard dive boat on the Barrier Reef, best yeah. diving, I mean, the, wa- the water was as clear as the air we're talking in, right? It yeah. was unbelievable. And there's manta rays and there's, I mean, you name it, it was unbelievable. And I come up from this one dive and I go, and I was hanging with these, talking to these guys quite a bit. I was like, you guys, that was the best dive I've ever done in my whole life, anywhere I've been able to dive. And they're like, yeah, mate, another dive, another day. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Like, they weren't I, even phased. They, just, they, not even more phased, they were like, Fuck it. That, like, dude, it's, we do this it every became, day. It became manual labor for them. Yeah. And I was like, Err. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'd already. And what's ironic for me is I learned that for me, and it's taken me a lot of years. Like there's the old saying, yeah, a passion hobby is not a career. Well, but yeah. see, a lot of people say the opposite, right? Yeah. A lot of people say, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And for yeah. me, I'm like, if I turn a passion into a job, it becomes a job. Yeah. And so when I was, lifeguarding at Newport. I qualified one year to guard and I guarded and all of a sudden I didn't enjoy the beach anymore. I'd be there because I'd be at the beach every day, right? Surf, yeah. hang out. And I was like, I got trained to be on and I'm like, that's just the way I'm wired. I was like watching the water all the time. Couldn't just chill. Enjoy and the beach. You're not there. Enjoy it anymore. Yeah, relaxing. And I was working. like, ooh, I don't want to guard anymore. And it was like a kind of a struggle because I was like, hey, I, it's a great job and da, 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 yeah. And I didn't do it. And then life, uh, scuba diving, same thing. I was like, er, I'm like, fuck, I don't want to be burned out on this like I don't like I love it I don't want to hate it because yeah. I'm doing it and that made me honest God that conversation with those two guys made me stop and go oh fuck what am I going to do now <laughs> but I had two months I had two months in Indo a salty yeah. old critter on the blow right. just like you know, I got a little lottery <laughs> oh, and you go clean up the regulators and uh, yeah, get those masks and uh, yeah well, the other thing you find out when you're if you're, an, if you're instructing anybody like I was on a scuba I was, I was instructing a group in La Jolla Shores. And I used to surf, you know, scripts every, like it was like, I knew that water well. And I have this girl who's like, I know how to dive. I, you know, I'm, I'm she had her certification. I haven't dived in a while, but I'm super calm. I got it, I got it. Like didn't, would not listen. Hey, let's do a refresher, whatever, whatever. So we're down at like 30 feet and I'm like kind of got her on my left shoulder and I'm pointing to stuff. And then there's like a fish or something over to the right. And I point to it and I turn around and she's gone. And there's a dive, her weight belt, is sitting on the sand next to me, and she's nowhere to be seen. Oh my what god! What the hell? And I was like, <gasps> and so I go into you know, full recon mode. Like, where is she? It was just me and her. I'm like, okay, I've lost my. W- I have one student, and she's gone. Oh my god! This is a young girl. I'm. I just screwed up bad. Did she die? Is she gonna have the bends? Like, so I do what you've been trained to do to go find her, and I come up, and she's floating on the surface, giggling. She's a good. I'm like, what? You know, like in my head, because I know like yeah. The, the the physiological impacts yeah. that it can have, but ignorance is bliss. She was fine. She like the, her BC filled up there. She shot to the surface. She flew out of the water like a whale breaching, and she was completely fine. And I was like, 
I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Yeah, oh so it was just God. another like dovetailing of like, all right. Yeah. I thought I wanted to do this. Nope. So I don't want to go back to school for marine science. I don't want to be a scuba instructor. Artists don't make any freaking money. <laughs> what? And I'm not that good at it. So what am I going to do? And so I have a conversation. So when you say artist, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't were, know. Were you trying to paint, like draw, what, doodle? Did, like, did what you ever do anything? <laughs> no. The answer is no, I never did anything. Here's the thing. I was born with a skill of a natural skill for art. So the thing is I'm super linear. Like a good artist is like a Picasso. Like it's going to – they can take this – like we're looking at your window here and you can take that palm tree and like – for me, if you said, hey, Mark, paint what you see, it's going to be exact. I'm going to try to make it look like a photograph. Yeah. You know, Picasso is going to make it look like this crazy, yeah. you know, and a good artist is going to do some creative. I'm just like represent, that, like I don't have this, I don't have a creative mind. So mm. like in the industry, you can think of all the creatives, like Pat Tenori. Like I can think of just the most creative guy. Like what, it's just amazing, right? And there's a million of them. All the artists that work, like I just don't have that. So I have a skill if you go, hey, this is what I want you to do. Yeah. I can do it really well. Hey, yeah, you could go get an illustrator job, like you know. <laughs> that put, was the, uh, put, yeah, putting uh, and now, a, a, a picture in the right. in the computer. And fortunately, these you know I didn't do that because today you don't need illustrators anymore because it's all just digitized stuff. Yeah. So yes, I I was I did you know what was fun about college is I did what I loved and I did well as a result. I loved my degrees. I loved learning about the ocean. I loved doing art. I really got a lot out of the college experience. None of which really applies to a degree to what I do today. I always say like, I've got two degrees that have nothing to do with running hardware stores. However, I worked in retail growing up and I've had a lot of conversations along the way. Like, I, so where I was going with this is I had a conversation after this kind of epiphany with these scuba instructors. I'm on the phone with my mom from, from Australia right before I went to Indo and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. My mom was a, a high school teacher. She's my mom's amazing. I'm very lucky. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, maybe I should talk to dad. I mean, again, if you've ever traveled by yourself, like you have way too much time to run, by this, run this by you mom first. Like, should yeah. I have a conversation with dad? Can you smooth it over first? Yeah. Jay, you are hundred percent right. Like this is a conversation that no one ever thought was going to happen. No one ever thought I was going to go back. Yeah. To work for my dad. I did really well in college, which was like, these are the conversations where I'd be home from, from school, like at my parents' house on break or whatever. Their friends would come by that I grew up with and they'd go like, hey Mark, so I hear you doing really well at school. <laughs> it was like more of a question than a statement. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> they can't believe they it. They can't believe it. And I did really well because I loved what I was doing. Yeah. And I, again, that goes back to my passion thing. Like yeah. I, when, I, when I'm into something that I'm into, yeah. game on, let's go, I'll go super hard. And so I had a conversation with my mom and my mom, I will, and this is the way it went. She's like, I said, mom, you know, I'm thinking about working for dad. What do you think? Cause I'm going back in my head. I'm like, I know retail. I grew up in retail. I want to own a surf shop. Like my, maybe this is my path. Did you ever work in one of the stores? I did a little bit of, I did a little bit in college. Like if I was home for a summer, but I also did a lot of the maintenance. Like I'm super handy. Like I love doing that stuff. So I did a little time in the stores. I knew that stuff pretty well. I spent a lot of, enough time in the stores, yeah. but not, I didn't spend years working there. Like, and it, again, it was not a, it was out of convenience. It was not out of like, this is what I want to do. There's a lot of my friends that grew up working in their family business, like foregone conclusion. They were going to, that was their future yeah. with the hardware stores. That was not my path yeah. until I was like, 
you know, some people would go to college, like I know exactly what I want to do, or they come out of the surf industry, I want to be a rep, like that's what I'm going to do. I came out of college going, fuck, what am I going to do yeah. now? I'm not sure, you know? And so I asked, I just started doing my homework. Hey mom, what do you think? And honest God, she like, there was a super long pause after I asked her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she was picking her Maybe stay in a few few more months. Yeah, right? She's like, but here's what she said, and this is where it went. So she's like, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about your brothers? Were they whoops? No, so my older yeah, they did it's only me. So I've got two I've got two brothers. I'm in the middle. My older brother Mike is brilliant. He's a PhD in statistics and he's a anesthesiologist. Wow. With doctors without borders, travels like he's unbelievable guy. Unbelievable human. His wife is an incredible like his family. The boys are brilliant. I'm going to be with one of my nephews tomorrow. These are smart kids. Intel, heart, like brilliant. He got, he got the, he got like the, the brains. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like that twins movie with Arnold and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dan DeVito. Well, you know, if you know the punchline on that one, <laughs> one got everything and one got the the crap that was left over. My older brother got everything. Um, my younger brother Doug is a personal trainer, owns a gym, um, corporate wellness. Very entrepreneurial, very much like my dad. So neither of them came into the business. So it was just me. Wow. Okay. And so what mom said when I, you know, after the long pause, maybe she stood up after falling over and fainting when I said, hey, I might want to come work for dad. Because again, we had a kind of nose to nose relationship for a long time. This is what she said. She's like, Mark, Crown, our store, Crown has afforded us the ability to do the things in life that we never thought we would be able to do. Yeah. And I was like, pretty powerful. And what I know about my dad is my dad didn't have a passion for hardware. That was, it was an my dad is balls of the wall, yeah. take no prisoner, opportunist, entrepreneur. Yeah. And he had nothing to lose. And different, like my parents are the American dream. They started with nothing and they just built their way up. I was born either rounding second or already on third. I mean, I admittedly, gratefully, uh, but my parents raised us like we're still trying to get to first. Yeah. So the, the work ethic, I mean, my dad, everything my dad did, it's the American dream, but it was based on balls and grit and super hard work and take no prisoners and did major he, risk. Did your dad buy an existing business? Yep. That was already, yep. yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to- started get, with the one? Started yeah. with the one in Colonel Mar. Yeah. It's a, I, if you want that story, I can give you the whole American dream backstory on that. It's a pretty cool one. But yeah, so that was the conversation I had with my mom. And so I traveled for two months, two more months in Indo on like nine bucks a day, surfed my brains out, had a hell of a time, and then came back, finished my job in San Diego for another few months, and then came back and started in with my dad. So I was 24, just about 25 when I started working with my dad. Yeah. And yeah. how was that conversation? How did you what, what, like, reach what, the, like, the what was conversation? Your, yeah, what was your position going to be? Like, hey, I'm just I'm going to show up and I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Or did he have a, a, a? My dad was smarter than that. He said, "You can work for me, yeah. but you're going to report to somebody else. Yeah. Like, we're not we're not doing this. Like, yeah. you want to prove yourself." And I think my dad had a low level of confidence that it would work out. Yeah, he it's didn't probably, expect you to maintain yeah, and, and I mean, follow he, through, or. Um, I think based on where I went with school and that I was so passionate about it. You were and, not going to be enthralled yeah. after a few months or yeah. a year there. And our history of just, you know, just my, my dad's amazing, but during the high school years, I was such a shit yeah. that we went head to head. And so we really got along much, much better. Once I moved out, that was it. I needed that independence. I see that with one of my kids. Like they need to get out and they will be 
it'll I think bring you closer together. I was I was that guy. Yeah. I needed to get once I went, like we started rekindling and everything was better, but what those last couple of years at home was tough. But there was a lot of like there was a hangover from that with my dad and I, you know, and I think my dad was like, Huck, I don't I don't know if I want you to work with me. Like yeah. you work for you go report to them. Yeah. Go prove yourself in the stores. And so, you know, God love him. He made me do what I would do with my kids. He made me work in the stores and work my way up and it wasn't you know, it took me I've been there for over twenty five years now, but I I did everything this the stores needed to be done. And I think that's so important too, though, you know, because you got to know at every level what, you know, and of course, oh, you're a cashier or you work in this department, you know, but to understand that and like be in their shoes, you know, is pretty much the only way you're going to appreciate them and know the business better. You know, you can't just, oh, you got dad owns these. I'm just going to be sitting in the office with my feet up. I'm an executive, you know, like, no, you got to freaking, yeah. You know, know, there's an interesting on the ground. Totally. But there's an interesting backstory to that too. Um, because for me, like, it wasn't that sexy. Like, I wanted to be what you guys do. Like, you know, growing up surfing and all my friends and watching, the, like, we grew up, or I grew up, like, at the peak of the surf industry. Yeah. Like, it was the, like, that's all we wanted, right? Like, all I wanted was to be part of that, right? To be team, to be sponsored, to get bro deals, to get free shit. Like, that's yeah. all I wanted. And, like, we clamored, you know. The Quick was young in the U.S. at that time. It was before Billabong really made it like quick was big big in big. my zone and like a girl that I grew up with Suzanne Irvin her her or Su- Suzanne Irwin her mom ran the little quick outlet store over in Eastside and like we that was a golden ticket if you can get in there to get cheap stuff like we were clamoring to do that all the time that's all I wanted to do so I was like struggling like do I really want this like I knew I wanted and everybody that knows me from that's like yeah. we knew you wanted to surf shop like that was the end goal but I'm going to go work here. But I had, I had a couple interesting conversations that led me to this. So I talked to my mom when I came back from Indo, two of my buddies that I grew up with, their dads were both super successful and I really respect them. They were good guys that I really liked. I knew them well enough. And I went and I just had a conversation with both these guys separately. And I'm like, here's my opportunity. What do you think? Again, I'm a punk kid. And they're, they both kind of said the same thing separately. They said, listen, most people in business, strive to have their own business and they're like mark you have this opportunity that you if you think you want to own your own business you've got to give this a try and if it doesn't work so be it but if it does you've got this incredible opportunity ahead of you and the second thing was and again their conversations and their view of the world were very very similar and they both said this like mark because i was like it's not sexy it's not surf i want to be they said listen it doesn't matter if you're selling hardware or surfboards or watches or shoes or cars or bikes or whatever else it's a people business and yep. if you like people and you're good with people that's what the business is all about for sure yeah. and I was like well, I get that and I am that let me give it a whirl knowing that I was like I can go down this road maybe I can have a hardware store with a surf shop attached to it which is what the Balboa Beach Company was originally on Balboa Island so that was how like I pinged a lot of people I asked a lot of questions and it was still super tough the first few years. And then I, I could jump ahead to like when everybody that you guys know and a lot of my friends were all jumping on like when all the money started getting infused in the industry and everybody was going over to Swell and everybody was going to Blue Torch and like all this money was being infused. Everybody was jumping Everywhere. from spot yeah. to spot to spot. And I was like, how do I get a piece of that? How do I get a piece of that? And I didn't get a piece of that. And I, I'm you know, lucky for you. There's been a hundred times yeah. and 2020 was maybe the most like put my hands together in prayer 
eyes in the sky, like, thank God I'm in hardware. Thank right? God I'm in hardware. Yeah, right. Right. So it's been it, a super interesting road, but that's how I ended up in this business back in the But you're also, I mean, like you said, you could be selling anything, but it's like, if you're, you're not making the, the, the amount of money, the quality of life that you, you know, you're hoping for, or you're growing up to have, like I tell my kids all the time, like you want this, like you want to go on these trips, you want to do this, like you're going to have to freaking bust your butt because we're not giving you zip until you, you know, prove it, you prove it, you know, and I think that's, you know, kids don't want to hear that, but that's what, you know, that's what's got to be. But I'm sure you go on plenty of boat trips and go around and go on these surf trips that, you know, a lot of other guys don't, but because they, their pride or whatever, they, oh, I just want to sell surfboards or clothes, you know, like, so there's always that, that balance, you know, like you got a successful business, still it gives you opportunity to provide, you could go on whatever surf trip you want, you know, so it's like, that's, that's a huge reward right there for sure, you know, you know, the industry, you know, we can talk about surf industry all day long, because that's your guys' world, but you know, I've watched so much happen there, right? Because again, I've watched it from, you know, just starting to when it was absolutely, it's like the evolution, revolution, and now kind of the, I don't know, reset, the yeah, degradation. Yeah. I don't like, yeah. it's amazing to watch what's happening. So it's super niche. And that's like this really interesting kind of evolution of just retail, outdoor. It's almost like a whole new genre, right? Yeah. Like the, some of the stuff I wrote, like the number of things that I sell <laughs> that are also now in surf shops or like we're all we're all kind of looking for that next hot thing the more lifestyle type brand yeah the number of people that are surf industry icons or people that have been surf industry forever that are now whether it's a side hustle or their main gig are selling into my industry yeah so the conversations i have with big hitters that have been around surf industry forever now like hey mark hey mark hey mark yeah. let's do this let's just that what do you think about this yeah and it's super interesting your your store is kind of almost a throwback to what hardware stores used to be they're general stores yeah right yeah. where you could buy food but you can buy hammers and saws right and like buy like all kinds of different stuff like yeah like the old general general stores you know yeah like the general TV. mercantile yeah yeah style. yeah it's your, it's your saw clothing your, your dishes non- whatever it is but it was more like a, yeah. a hardware store slash as skip Sneed, who's been on here, would say, our marketing manager, Skip would say, it's so much more than a hardware store. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and I've said it, in 2020 was really big for us. If you think about it this way, 2020, everybody's stuck at home. Everybody's looking everybody's at Everybody's looking around at all right? the fixes. Oh, time to get on that. Every honeydew list <laughs> in America, for the first time in history, we're done. And we benefit. We're the beneficiaries from yeah. that. So yeah. thank you for everybody for shopping local yeah. and shopping your hardware stores and doing all the work to make your wives happy. Yeah, it's the, the non-contractor like hardware store. You know, yeah. like you look at Lowe's and Home Depot, and you know, of course, it, they cater to everybody, and that's yeah. their business. But you, you know, you're the the corner smaller, you know, yeah. you know, mom and pop shops. Yeah, you, know, yeah, well, I mean, what's you don't want to go wait in line and and walk a half a mile to go grab something and not have anybody there. You know, you guys are you, you have. You know what to you know what to buy. You know what people need. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, we just try to be a super local resource to the community. So super local to what this community that we're sitting in right here needs. We'll have what's ironic or interesting. You know, within a my office is a mile from from your house, Linden, and Home Depot is a mile and a half. So talk about competition. You know, I'm, one of your pods. It might have been with Yokiyama. You guys talked about, or it might have been with Kalani Rob. Like again, I'm kind of a 
pod nerd and I love all the stuff you guys yeah. have done, but to talk about competition. Competition sucks, but it also makes us way better. You've got to earn it. And, yeah. you know, I've got, when it's 30 extra seconds, you can drive from here 30 extra seconds to get to Home Depot. For people to come into my store, and a lot of people do, and we're very fortunate and grateful, we have to be doing it really, really well, and we have to offer something, something different. So we know yeah. who we are, we know who we're not, and we know what our model is, and we go after it super hard, and it's being super local, having the right products, and really offering world-class customer service. Yeah. We probably don't do it every day, but that is, that's who we are, that's what we stand for, that's the mission statement we put up on the walls, and just and being a core part of the community, for real, giving back, being yeah. engaged, and uh, keeping the tax dollars local, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So going back to yeah, keep me on track. Going back to when you were going to college, and you're trying to be an artist slash marine biologist, <laughs> and then was there one point in time you're like, before you you know before you worked into the family business, did did you like try to reach out and try to find an industry job in, in the surf industry or? Um. Because you, I mean, we talked about how many people we all know, you know, we, you know, yeah, Meehan, freaking Bowsman, like all these Todd, Todd Miller. It's like, yeah. you know, you, you probably could have gotten somewhere. You know, what's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think that it was, um, one of those things where I look at all the people that I know that were either in the industry or want to be in the industry and how many of them serve better than me. Because that really was an indicator of your, like, if you're fully sponsored, yeah. Jay, you have a much better chance of getting a job than if you're just another yeah. guy. Like, we had spies. I'm Cordell. like a hot, hot chick, you know? Like, <laughs> right? You right? Know? Much easier. <laughs> okay. Chauvinistic. Are you yeah. saying yeah, that? We need. I was, I, hold on. I, I, I get, I'm that's what he's saying. I'm getting an upper, upper hand over here because I can surf wow. in, you know? Like, yeah. uh, so that, so the analogy is that yeah. Jay was the hot chick and Mark was the ugly girl. <laughs> wow. No, I don't think I don't think that's what we were trying to say. <laughs> no, I don't. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, listen, I knew so many guys that were more like I knew a lot of people and know a lot of people. Yeah. But I wasn't in nearly as tight. Yeah. Um, and because there, there's a lot of people that once you're in, especially when the companies were smaller. Yeah. Like if you were working with like Troy Ecker, he started with with Woolly as yeah, number two, right? Yeah. Um, Spides, you know, with Hurley, like the the list is super long yeah. of people that. I knew well, we were of the same age, but they were better surfers, better, better surfers equal better, better connected yeah. Yeah. because it was so hot at the time. Yeah. I also know people like Jimmy Onstott, Jim was at Fox um, and a number of other places. He had a mainstream job, but he wanted to be in the industry so bad that he gave up just about everything for a couple years to get a repping job. And he did. But he sacrificed a lot. We were all living down on river, down in you know, 54th area. And I just watched him. He's like, I want it. I'm willing to give up everything to get in. And I was like, fuck, I'm not willing to give up. I don't have anything to give up yeah. <laughs> to get in. And so I stayed on my path, always kind of listening to what mom said. This business afforded us the ability to do the stuff we love to do and stayed in there. I had times, like I, I went to my dad at some point. I'm like, I need to take a break. I, need, I want to go back to school and become a chiropractor. I was spending so much time at chiropractors because I blew my back out when I was in high school or in college and I was going to Tim Brown for years and years and years and I had back surgery when I was 25 and I was like, it's kind of like people that have spent so much time in therapy, they become a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy people become therapists. Yeah. Um, I was the broken guy 
that wanted to figure out how to fix people. But I went back to school for a little bit and realized, fuck, I don't want, again, I don't want to go back to school. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And went back in. So, I mean, I, I, I worked real hard to figure out that this was the right place for me. Yeah. And I will say that working with my dad for all that, for 25 years, my dad's retired about five, six years ago, was the hardest thing I've ever done, probably the most valuable thing I've ever done. And we get along way better now that he's retired. Yeah. <laughs> way better now. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, so no, I, I didn't ever seriously think about an industry job. I would have loved it, Yeah. but it never seemed realistic. So all these years, you've been there for 25 years. Yeah. Did, did you ever, because you said you, you always wanted to even have a surf shop. Yeah. Um, ever, did you ever entertain that even more or never? Um, I didn't, but you know what's ironic now? The evolution of surf shops um, kind of coincides with the evolution of our stores. Yeah. Um, we're more, like again, more and more folks that were pure, pure play surf are now not, they're more outdoor retailer style. A lot of those guys are calling on me. I have a lot of those things. You can go fly and find Slow Tide and Yeti and yeah. a bunch of other side hustle product, products in my stores that do real, real, very well with us. Yeah. Um, so we've become more of like, call us a hardware store outfitter, community, whatever. And surf shops are morphing. The best surf shops, you guys know them, we won't yeah. use names, the best ones are not pure surf anymore, other than maybe the Frog House, which is as pure and core as they get. Yeah. And I know TK real well and love yeah. the guy, but most of them, and I can name a bunch that are more outfit, you have, it's not just soft goods and hard goods, but it's also home goods. Oh, it's getting, right? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Yeti, right? Yeti. Yeti's in every surf shop in America, every hard, they've, Yeah, they've, and Mizu, or not Mizu, but um, Hydroflask, Hydroflask and yep. all that stuff. Totally. That's just one example of many, many, many that's become, you know, I, I told the story a lot. I went to a surf contest. I can't remember what it was. South side of the pier, South side of Huntington, five years ago. We already were in the Yeti brand, but somebody, and I don't know who it was, but somebody showed up that knew everybody. He was industry of some sort. I was just sitting there with some friends watching and he shows up with a Yeti hat on and hobnobs with everyone. I'm like, it was the first time I ever saw like a non-surf brand on somebody that was clearly industry and it was like like it, it was the, I think it was like the front runner you're like I'm gonna call Yeti tomorrow well we were already in but oh. it was the first time because before yeah surf used to be core yeah it's not the same kind of core anymore like look on everybody's boards like you've got Target and you've got all kinds like yeah. even right now more and more and more evolution of, of sponsorships yeah. you know going away from just the, t the big three or big five yeah um, and that was the first time I saw a total interloper that would have 10 years ago, 15 years ago, been like heckled, was now like, the guy was owning it for the yeah. first time. Now it's super commonplace, right? You'll find, like, and a lot of these brands have done a really good job. Traeger is one of our biggest brands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Traeger is all, it's all industry folks. I mean, uh, Jeremy Andrus, the CEO, brought in everybody from Skull Candy and all over the place. And they, <coughs> their success has been based on using a surf or outdoor sports model of marketing and engagement, yeah. and they've crushed their competition. Yeah, who had who owned the market in yeah. our stores? Eating well, you're not getting just some guy with a you know a beer in his hand and, and an apron like flipping burgers. You know, you're talking like a premium piece of meat and yeah. doing it right in that outdoor and, and like, have style of life. And guys like Shane Dorian, freaking. Well, they did that, right? Right. And then yeah. that was my that's my example of very early on. Um, do you guys know? Um, Rory Taylor, Tubby Surfs. 
so Rory industry, Rory's a stud, and Rory, I just name dropped you because you'd kill it, but he was our rep. He's a San Diego-based guy. He's now living in, in Idaho. He's a, one of the bigger guys. But the, all the guys at Traeger would fit around this table. They're same age, same mindset, all outdoor retailing backgrounds from all different. But So they're marketing. They're like, how do we product placement? Who do we get in front of? Who do we? I, early on, they got Shane Dorian and I think um, uh, Dusty Payne. Early on, those guys mm-hmm. got Traegers and started popping them online and yeah. social media. And like they followed the same marketing strategy that you guys would do. And they've crushed it. And they come in with swag. And they come in with like incredible relationships. And they're doing like... We do. We have an incredible partnership with them, yeah. and they're they're amazing. And they've just eaten the lunch of all their competitors based on not just the quality of the product, the quality of the relationships, the marketing too. and the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And we're a very much a relationship driven company, and they've just crushed it over anybody else. That's cool. Yeah, I mean that's again like one of your staples in all their stores is you got your your outdoor barbecue patio, like, you know, there's grill, all, still and yeah. chill. It's kind of, <laughs> not all of our stores have still, but still outdoor powers. Another yeah. big one. Like there's probably people wearing it's like still's going to end up having some pro surfer on their brand because yeah. it's just another cool outdoor Dude. brand. Right. They, yeah. There's a lot it's of an essential, stuff. like, yeah. you know, product line, you know, mm-hmm. they make everything that you're going to need or use regardless. So but 10 years ago, if we were having this conversation, <laughs> you would have said, are you fucking no way no it's unacceptable we're not gonna have coolers in here coolers right so right so and what's fun is what are some of the best surf shops like for me it's they're not pure surf right like I can think of like um, well HSS Jack Surfside they're amazing and they're iconic and and TK and Frog House as well but like get outside of this like the Aloha Exchange where it's surf Slash and Patagonia store seed market here locally up at the, the camp. Like yeah. stuff like that's where it's more lifestyle yeah. with an infusion of camping, infusion of surf. Like mm. it it's the everyman's store. Yeah. Or that or the people with more money um, outdoor living store. It, it yeah. attracts more. Like you can look at at um, footwear, like yeah. you know, Olukai. Where were they? Yeah. Ten years ago. Dude, right? I I remember I was the buyer at HSS and when Olakai first came out, I was like, no one's gonna pay sixty dollars for leather, you know, thongs. You're right, they're yeah. gonna they're now gonna, now they're gonna buy two of them. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> right. Now that's our entry level. Yeah. Right. But you right. remember like cause I you know, we had Reef, we had Rainbow, we yeah. had another I'm leather. Like, We're not gonna have uh, what's this elevated, you know. Flip flop, you know. Yeah, boy, was I wrong. So yeah. ironically, <laughs> I was at a primarily Australian Fourth of July party yesterday. One of my buddies, all of his friends, he's Aussie. All of his friends are Aussie. So it was a super fun, different kind of breed. But not Jay Lewis. No, no, this is a guy named Mark Power. But um, classic group, you know, especially on the Fourth of July, they were all in. <laughs> but there's a gal there who lives on. I just met her recently, but she's a, one of the top sales. I think she's like this. I don't know if she's sales manager, but she's one of the big sales folks at Olukai. I just met her yesterday and she's sharing a bunch of the history that I was asking about it and why she ended up going there. What's the story? Because I have the same thing. Like it didn't exist. And it was like rainbow is all I ever wore until there was a hole in the bottom worn out. Right. And then I'd go get another one. Like, and that was kind of like a pride thing. And she tells the story. She's like, the CEO is unbelievable. He knew exactly what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. They're like, we're 10% surf. We're 10% outdoor. We're like, so much bigger thinking than yeah. just surf. And it was like, that's the danger if you're pure anything, yeah. right? Pure surf 
is dangerous now because you can go get I can go get a Volcom shirt or a quick shirt at anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's not core anymore. When I was a kid, you could only get it surf, and that's why it was so cool, and that's yeah. why core is core. It's super interesting how it's been evolving. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, we're in a, we're in weird times for sure. You know, with just online, like the the power of you know like the Amazons and you know all the other like dot coms. Yeah. You know, direct to consumer stuff. Direct consumer, but yeah, the. You, you have, have to be able to morph. Right? You got to be able to morph, yeah. And I mean, a lot of the brands like a Volcom, you know, that has surf, skate, snow. They, you know, they were able to diversify their, you know, portfolio a little bit heavier, but it was still core. You know, like snows, they're they're in their yeah. own little bubble. Yep. Skate in their own little well, surf. But you know, once you get into every your, dog has his day, though. Yeah. You know, like when you we talked about Quicksilver. Quicksilver is the biggest thing ever, right? And Billabong was the biggest thing ever. Gotcha was the biggest yeah, thing right? ever. Volcom was the biggest thing ever. Yeah. So it's like every, you know, if, if you can uh, weather the storm of a trend, yeah. right? Because that's basically what we all kind of have to... Well, you look at the most iconic brands and they change their slogans and stuff all the time. You know, yeah. like they're... they're mission statement or whatever it, it you know you got to stay evolved with the trends and hey there yeah. this is this is what's the new generation yeah. is gonna staying know. relevant is the hardest thing to yeah. do right that's the main goal of a brand yeah just to, to stay relevant to stay in business to, totally. to keep it sustainable and that's no different in my my industry is no different i mean we are constantly looking for the next hot magic widget we're yeah. constantly assessing our inventory <laughs> you know like we know what our core is it's we have to have the right location we have to have world-class people that can take i mean i can have all the product in the world if i don't have great customer service you, yeah. you might, you'll go get it somewhere else because i'm just as just as open to the online competitions as anybody else yeah. now granted if you have broken your plumbing and you need to go get something done you're not you're probably not going to go to amazon today and get it you're going to come somewhere where you can get the knowledge and the help you need that's who we are but everything we sell, you can get somewhere else. Again, you've got Home Depot half my life. Just most of the stuff I sell, you can go get there. So I gotta give you a reason to come to me. That is that relevance, that is that creativity, that is that evolution, constant reinvestment. Yeah. But we, I mean, we toil over it. I mean, yeah. we're every day. And some of our store, like we've grown a lot in the last three years. And we've also closed a handful of stores in that same time. Yeah. Because location, things change. Um, there's so many factors that go in. Yeah. You know, retail's tough, man. So yeah. when you first started in the business, were you already at the 20 stores or did you? No, no I came in, we had eight stores. Okay. Um, again, a long time ago, my dad and I worked together for 20 years before he retired. Um, dad retired five, maybe six years ago now. Mm -hmm. And at the time we had about 18 stores all in Southern California with two in Arizona. Since that time, I brought on a, a partner, a good buddy of mine who's brilliant. His name's Matt Fales. I, I say Matt is an idiot savant. More idiot than savant, but he's <laughs> fucking brilliant and it's been a godsend for me. He's so intelligent. So the two of us together, he really is outstanding at the areas that I'm not as strong at and I'm strong in areas, that, like so together, as my wife would say, we're like two halves of the same brain. Um, she would not want to be married to that person if we were combined. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> but um, so we took a hard look at the business as leases were coming due. Again, retail, location, location, location. The best yeah. location 
with a shitty store will still probably do okay. Yeah. The worst location with the best store is still going to fail. Yeah. And we've seen that happen because we'll run good stores right till the day we close them. And we've had to close quite a few. But So we've totally repurposed and kind of realigned the company. We've found some really good acquisitions that have been, you know, I, I've just realized like I'd much rather buy a Surfside or a Frog House or an HSS than go try to put one up and think that I've got the right location, I've got the right recipe for set success yeah. in that market. So we've closed underperformers and we've bought really good stores or, or stores that are doing well yet have a ton of opportunity for our kind of, not secret sauce, there's no secret, but to come and do what we do really well. We have a yeah. great microcosm, I have a really great team. I'm not, the strength of my company is based on the people that I've surrounded us with and um, so we've been going, able to grow. Going back, when you, when you first started working for the for Crown, and you know you were super tentative. You never thought you were going to do it, yeah. right? Yep. So how long did it take you? How many years or how many months where you mm-hmm. where you're like, wait, I like it here. I'm kind of good at. This. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I was committed. I'm I'm kind of like a all in or like once I'm in, I'm in, and I go, you know, 110 percent as best I can. It took a few years to kind of find my happy place and kind of realize my niche. And what I realized is once I kind of learned the underlying areas that I had to kind of figure out, once I got kind of immersed in it, I realized there were cracks. And that's where I was able to kind of go like, I'm going to go, f- like, this is broken. I'm going to go, I'm going to try to fix that. Like, yeah. I'm going to kind of a, an efficiency and operations and culture minded person. And so that's what I went after. My dad did what he did. He was, he's really more, and ironically, Matt and my dad are very similar, that they're very financially minded and very like inventory, hyper inventory. Mm. They think in code and I'm not, I'm the other side. I'm the people and the creative and the design. Not big creative, but like what's interesting is my art degree didn't account to anything as far as like an art thing, but design, layout, store appearance, look, all that stuff is something that I do. That's in your wheelhouse right there. It's in my wheelhouse, you know? And what's interesting, just to give him a giant shout out, Skip, we've had on here, Skip Sneed, Bradley. Um, Bradley. There was a lot that I had a vision for, but I couldn't execute because I didn't have somebody with the creative mastery that Skip has. So when that opportunity came about, he was able to take what I had in my head that I couldn't create, and he just took it and ran with it. And so a lot of our branding, a lot of our, because we really catered to, say, homeowners and above, more so than the youth. Yeah. But we, the youth's gonna, youth is going to grow up. Yeah. So we got to be able to cater everybody. And Skip and I are of the same background in surf, right? I mean, he's yeah. a perfect example. He's an editor of Surfer Ma- Surfing Magazine, now working in the hardware store and killing it and super important. But I was able to leverage what he's done for years. So like our playbook and our newsletter internal is the best in the country, I promise, because of what Skip... I, I can put words on a page. Skip turns it into magic. Like he yeah. makes it insane. And our branding and our window graphics and our wraps and just everything we do, yeah. he yeah. helped me take it and almost surf shop it a little bit, yeah, you know, yeah. and like his ambassador program he put together with Punker. I've known Punker Pat since he was little, but yeah. Punker's now an ambassador for us. And like, I freaking love that. That's I never would have thought of that. Well, I mean, during Father's Day, right? Like, what is the hashtag that everybody puts? Rad Dad. Rad Dad. You know, and, you know, like you said, the. There's a ton of people that are action sports, surf, skate, snow, whatever, that have grown up and now they are 
parents and living a mile away from my store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Case in point. Yeah. Right. So, and I need to capture you and people like you, younger, older, Mr. Larson next door, yeah. to pull over at Crown Hardware, maybe get a donut derelict donut, <laughs> and not drive another half a mile to the Home Depot. Yeah. I mean, so again, competition has made us who we are. Yeah. And when we go into other markets where we don't have, it's like some of my best stores are stores that we don't have any competition close by, but we treat them the same. Like we, we live as if we have a Home Depot half a mile away, even in stores where it's 10 or 20 miles to the closest store. And so we raise the bar when we buy these stores because people get comfortable. You can probably think of accounts you have like, oh man, if they could just raise the bar. Yeah. They have the yeah, mindset, yeah. I, there yeah. is no competition, thus they do not compete. Yeah. They don't compete until they have to. Somebody shows up, eats their lunch. It happens in everything. Restaurants, uh, retail, everything. I I operate every store as if there's a Home Depot half a mile away. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes. 100%. And yeah. it keeps my people on their toes. And again, when we're winning, we're winning together and our teams kill it because we're always pushing hard to be the best yeah. for our communities. And if, how, if we win, they win. How's like, you know, now that we're obviously, you guys had a great year because of, you know, everybody being home and, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to, you're spending their their their, their yeah. money, you know, in different ways, fixing up stuff. But um, how was like supply chains? Because I know in our industry, <laughs> it was it got bad, and we're still trying to climb out of it right now. Like as far as oh, it's you know, the supply chain is smashed. Like I would say that people that work for me until this year never even heard of the term supply chain. Really, yeah. like, the low, like but that's it's smashed. We've done a really good job of. We have three people on my buying team that have just been hyper focused on. on finding stuff. Now we're yeah. lucky, a lot of stuff, like if you want a Ruka hat, yeah, you can get a Ruka hat, but like you might not have all the colorways or whatever. If you want a, but like, I didn't want a hat, I wanted a shirt. Uh, it's out on the container, one of the 38 yeah. container ships offshore right now that yeah. you can see when you go surf Huntington. I mean, I want to, like think about it. Think There's billions and billions and billions and bill, hundreds of billions of dollars yeah. floating yeah. Three miles from here right now. So it's crazy. unbelievable. Yeah. All, I guarantee you, your stuff's out there. Your stuff's out. And my your stuff's stuff. all out there. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Um, so the supply chain is whacked. Yeah. Getting it is way more expensive. We can talk about the, you know, just staffing. is Like there's a it, the blowback from oh 2020. Gosh, yeah. The demand is incredible. The ability to supply it has been super challenging. Yeah. So yeah, the supply chain is, it, is you whacked. Know, you talked about just like Aruka had an example. Like, yeah, they got, you know, a, a new hat, new color, and, you know, comes in all these, you know, different um all these different colors yeah that's all subjective it's all style it's all trend like you're looking at like i need hex bolts i need i need freaking like you know a, gr- a barbecue grill like scraper you Pretty know great. like stuff stuff <laughs> right? that doesn't like it's not seasonal it's not trendy it's you know it's stuff cool. it's yeah. like that's you have so many core items that you know yeah. like you just know you're gonna sell plunger whatever you, you yeah. want to break it into like it's got to be we've had to be pretty crazy. scrappy yeah. to find again there are certain things that you can replace right like hey, i wanted a blue hat but i'll buy a red one today right hey, i wanted this plunger i'll get this plunger but if there's a certain flapper for your toilet hey we're getting really into fun stuff right flapper for, <laughs> i don't have the right flapper i'm sending you then to somewhere else yeah and so we have to be super scrappy and what are their vendors that are under what rock that we can buy from you know so it but but this whole last year and a half is that way because going yeah. into covid trying to get like, cause we were deemed essential. And we're grateful for that. So we were open through the whole thing. It's a whole nother conversation. Staying open every day through COVID in different markets was nutso Dude. and rad, but like crazy town. We learned a lot about people, but product wise, <laughs> trying to get masks, yeah. trying to get PPE, trying toilet to get paper. cleaning products, <laughs> toilet, but like 
it was a drug deal trying to get hand sanitizers yeah. for months. Drug <laughs> deal, truly, like cash behind a building in the industrial area of LA. Bring the truck and bring cash. Like, what? You want this? And we, we want did. this. We need cash. Yeah. We, and we we were all fighting for that. It was unlike anything we've ever done before. Strange. But it also shows like just in time. There's all are all kinds of articles about it. like just in time inventory used to be this wonderful thing because like you keep your your overhead low and you're you know you're right on the razor's edge. Well, it's really great until the supply chain is smashed and you can't get any of it and you're out. Yeah. So we have more inventory in our stores than we've ever had. We've gone super big. We've doubled down to make sure that we're ahead of it. So when we can get it, yeah. we'll like canning jars with something that everybody was canning stuff, you know, and so hobbies crazy. and everything else, beers, whatever it was. So like we're buying pallets upon pallets. And as soon as we can get it, we're committing. Yeah. We're like throwing down more inventory than ever before to be in the game. And we're lucky. A lot of our stuff is not fashion. Yeah. So if I buy the wrong colorway of a hat or, you know, we're not groceries, right? Like. I bought too many ears of corn. Yeah. Like it, it most storm. of our stuff yeah. does not go bad. So, it may be the wrong fly. stuff, but it's not going to die on the shelf. Yeah. So it's been interesting. We've been going super hard, but man, it has been a bloodbath in a lot of, a lot of areas yeah. trying to work with, with vendors. So it's crazy. Tell us more about uh, the other stuff that you do outside of surfing. You, you were mentioning you paddle, scuba dive. Prone paddle. You, you prone paddle. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing for you, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Surfing for me, you know, it's funny. Growing up in Newport and Huntington, a lot of people, and you guys may be it too, are happy just to surf shortboards forever. And that's rad. I'm like short attention span theater. And so I like <laughs> kind of like did my lots of years on shortboards. And ironically, I, when I was in, when I came back to work for my dad in mid-90s, I ended up having back surgery. Um, my back was so jacked and coming out of that, they wouldn't let me shortboard for a while. So I got on a longboard, just less strain and everything. And I was also paddling a lot of prone boards at the time. And so I got really into longboarding and at the same time, so I was doing prone and longboarding. And then I said it before she, I said, I wasn't going to say it again, but I got in stand up when stand up was new. There's other people on your podcast got really into it too. Ted Robinson was unbelievable. We used to, <laughs> we used to surf together down here at mags on standups for a while. I just love, like yeah. my quiver has really expanded. Yeah. Instead, like my, we all have these big funny, like it's a silly thing out here in front of your house. I don't even know <laughs> if I want to say it, but there's three sprinters sitting out there. But usually I have a short board, a long board, a stand up and a prone board in there. Yeah. And all my gear and my paddles for surf ski. So I've been in the 90s as a result of the back surgery and kind of some, what I found out when we were talking about water polo, I was pretty poor. I was an average water polo player. I was an average swimmer. But when I was lifeguarding, I went from a mid-pack swimmer during training. I got on a prone board in the training. All of a sudden, I was in the front. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> never, never been up here before. And I used to, we were talking about surf trips. When I was in San Diego, I had one that was flat. And I knew I was going to go on a trip. I'd go jump on this old uh, windsurfer and paddle in, in Mission Bay just to stay fit. And I liked being fit. And I wanted to be good, be able to surf all day. And then a buddy of mine moved down from, he was a lifeguard in uh, Palos Verdes, went to USC, transferred down to USD, and he had this big friggin' board on his car when he moved down. I well, what was that? It's a, it was an 18-foot prone, Joe Bark prone paddleboard. This is in the early 90s. 18-foot. 18 18-foot. 18 and a few years later, I bought that same board. I escorted, I went, so the Catalina paddleboard race, yeah. I learned about early on. And it goes from the Isthmus of Catalina, finishes Manhattan Beach Pier, 32 miles. 
Greg Knoll and all those guys used to do it in the 50s and then it died during Vietnam and it came back in the 80s. Joe Bark and a bunch of just unbelievable watermen brought it back to life. Joe Bark's name's pretty known these days in the paddleboard world and it's gotten a lot more popular. Joe's a stud. And I found out about the sport, got on that board and I was like, you know, I've been paddling this either a shortboard or, you know, a big pig, heavy old windsurfer. And I get on this thing and it's like a hot knife through butter. Hmm. And I was like, I want to do that. And so my buddy Brian Lanigan, who's still a ripping, only rides shortboards, but he had done the Catalina race a number of times. It was a top competitor. You have to have an escort boat on this race. It's the end of August every year. And I got on his boat and escorted him. And I swear to God, he's paddling and I take a nap. He's paddling, I'm drinking a beer. He's paddling, I'm, <laughs> it's, it's about as, you know, the winners will do it in five and a half hours, maybe five. 32 miles. 32 miles, five. That's nuts. And the last guy will come in at like nine hours. And so he probably did it in six-ish. But it's a long day on a boat. I'd much rather be on the water doing it. So a few years later, I did it. And I've done it now a whole bunch of times since. And it's just been a kind of a passion of mine to do the Catalina race and a lot of the other races crossing that channel. And it, like I, there was a long time when I was really into longboards. I was really into prone. I was like, kind of like, I love the history of surf. That's why I love your guys' podcast yeah. and other ones where it talks to the, just the grandfathers or the godfathers of surf. And um, I often said, I was like, oh, I should have been born like surfing in the 50s. Longboards. Sano, like yeah. it, my uncle used to tell stories of getting chased out of Sano with like by the Marines, yeah. um, the prone guys back then. So yeah, long distance stuff and prone got me into, um, I just love endurance stuff. So I do a lot of endurance running, surf ski paddling has become a real passion of mine. And as waves have gotten more and more, like I say, I'm old and cold. Like I get cold really easy. It's been super crowded. And so some of these other crafts, and especially with kids, yeah. my, like I, my water time, is probably more than than a lot of people, but my surf time is probably less than a lot because I'm on a prone board or a surf ski. I'm out there a ton of time, and uh, I just learned there's a whole new, there's just this whole world. Not new for me. I've been doing yeah. it for 25 years, but a lot of people around here, it's just shortboards. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up that analogy of like growing up in the 50s because they were like real modern. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they were They did everything. They did everything, and then it kind of, you know, in the 80s, like kind of when, you know, surfing was blowing up, it got, you know, like way just high performance only, high yeah. performance. And then 90s, you know, longboard kind of started creeping back. And, and right now it's, it, it right. seems like it's come full circle yeah. again. And everybody's, you know, doing a lot more cross training in different sports yeah. and staying active. Just, just we have because a lot of, of their love. Diving. Yeah, love in the foiling, water. Yeah. For sure. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely cool where, where we're at right now, you know? Yeah. And like, what I've also learned is, a lot of endurance sports are things that get picked up after like college. Once you have a career and a family, like I, it's hard, like, I'm like super go, 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 go. And if it's going to be, I have a chance for maybe a half hour, hour shitty surf, or I can go get an hour mean paddle in yeah. that paddle is a guaranteed deal. One of my really good friends, Jeff Netzer, we always go like, Hey, it's like, hey, six foot and glassy in the jujitsu studio. I'm like, six foot and glassy on my paddleboard. Like, I can guarantee that it's going to be good. Yeah. And also growing up around here, shortboards and wind, right? Yeah. So, like, if you don't like the wind, if you live in Hawaii or in Cardiff or anywhere there's reefs, you can surf all day. Yeah. Here, it's 11 so o'clock, you're blown out. So, if you don't have a – it's kind of like Maui. Believe it or not, like, this is the analogy. In Maui, it's always windy. So, if you don't do something that 
is part of the, you don't wind. leverage the wind, yeah. you're not going to get a lot of water time. Yeah. But they also, that's where Kai Lenny comes from, right? And he does everything. It's all that downwind stuff you see, downwind foiling, downwind stand up, like. That guy's a freak, man. Freak, right? But it's all taking advantage of the wind. He's kite, windsurf. Most of the stuff started with wind and yeah. then evolved, like, his ability to pick up shortboarding and he's ripping now. Yeah. But like, he's a whole nother planet, right? Him and guys like Laird and. Chuck Patterson, these guys, like whole another level of what they can do on boards on every craft. Yeah, I'm more on the endurance side of it. Yeah, long distance paddling, long distance surf ski paddling. Um, I just You're love that stuff. You're a masochist. Oh, it's just <laughs> you know it, that is my drug of choice. It keeps me out of trouble, and I'm super goal oriented, and I like to see what I can do. Yeah, I just love that stuff. But when it's windy here, and all you do is surf, surf all you do is surf. Yeah, you're limited. So. If you happen to do something, you can take advantage of downwind. Yeah. Foiling, it's not too good for foiling out here. You have to go up to like Long Beach or Seal. But downwind surf ski, outrigger, stand up, we do a lot of downwinding. So if it's super windy in the afternoon now, I've got a flag right outside my office. It's booming out of the west. I'm. If you're just a shortboard, you're like, I'm. Yeah. You're but, like, shit, I'll go start in Seal but Beach. But we and have a whole crew. And, and you mentioned Ryan Cameron. Ryan texted me earlier today. Ryan's a ripping big wave surfer, great surfer industry guy and also has gotten hyper-passionate into outrigger paddling. And he did, we trained for Catalina together a couple years ago, but he's on a downwind run right now, outrigger. And Crazy. so, and if you're a shortboard surfer only, you, you'll say, this guy's full of shit. But like, if you go out and do downwind paddling on an outrigger or a surf ski or a prone board, it is a form of surfing. You're out there, you're bombing, you're catching stuff, you're connecting the dots as far as you want to go. Yeah, and yeah. that's what the Molokai race is, like Jamie Mitchell. He's an incredible surfer, right? Yeah. Incredible waterman. But what that guy can do on connecting the dots while hammering across a 32-mile channel Up in the wind, it's unbelievable. It's surfing. You are sur you're, So it's just a different form of surf. Yeah. And like for me, big south swells, like there's enough waves for it right now. If it's big and bombing, like, okay, so Huntington's going to be sweeping, just full left hand, yeah. super sweeping through. Newport will have a couple corners, a couple spots that we won't mention the names. I'll be on my surf ski, which is a high performance, super narrow, long racing kayak made for downwind conditions. And I'll be inside the harbor in Newport catching bombs, doing miles of ins and outs, just bombing on these things. How funny. Punker yeah. Pat will be out there on his big board. A couple of the boys will be out there and I'll be just outside the cutback zone. So I don't snake anybody. I get all the waves I want and I'm catching a ton of waves. So it's a different way to apply yeah. it. I'll still surf a bunch. Like we're going to Hawaii next week. I'll be surfing when I'm there. Yeah. But around here, you're a waterman and you're capitalizing yeah. on, on on you know schedule and what works. And yeah. you know, like you said, when it's blowing out and you're limited, if you're just a shortboarder, you're, you're, it opens up opportunity. In the I afternoon. hated the wind for so many years, and now I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. It's let's funny you mentioned that because uh, we had Jesse Fain on the show, oh. and he he's like, yeah, you know, when you're growing up, you hated the wind. But then he took up kite surfing too. And he's like, you know, I can go to places where no one, I mean, he's it's blown yeah. out and it's perfect for me, you know? Yep. And it could be one foot and it's perfect. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Be able to take advantage of anything. So, that's, that's a Ted Robinson quote. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think he probably has a stand up in his quiver anymore, although he'd go out and just blow it up. But he used to show up at Mags or he, he smoked sacks. Yeah. He'd have every board in the van yeah. and he'd surf whatever it called for. Yeah. I think that's pretty magic. Yeah. That's right. There's still people that 
go, dude, why do you do all that stuff? I was like, I'm having so much more fun than you, I promise. I'm having way more water time. Yeah. And that's I'm all staying healthy and enjoying myself. So that's the that's my key. Um, have you partaken in any of the uh, wave pools? No, not yet. Not yet. I, so I've had a couple invitations at my own expense to go up to the surf ranch. And I basically, I was like, one of my buddies like, hey, I just got the invitation. I'm thinking about it. I don't know. I'm like, dude, you just got back from a surf trip. I'm like, are you top of your game right now? He's like, yeah, I'm probably surfing as good as I can. I'm like, go. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go spend five grand unless I'm on and ready to go. And I just haven't been putting in the time. Yeah. And um, it, it would take that for me to go spend that kind of money. And I've, you know, I, I've seen your videos up there crushing it. Um, for me, I would have to be like surf every day for a month just to get my, my mojo back on. And I, I can imagine just that everybody's talked about the pressure of like everybody oh, watching so going, fall, fall, fall. Like, yeah. yeah, man, yeah, Jay, go fall, fall, fall. I want that corner. <laughs> it's um, so true. It's just, it's, it's a mind F. Like it's stressful and it's intense. I will serve yeah. there, but not until I'm on my game. But with Palm Springs coming online, like yeah. three potentially, I know there's two for sure, but a third, I, yeah. uh, that, I mean, how crazy is that? Like that'll be my surf. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'm in. So yeah. awesome. Makes Palm Springs that more desirable to go right? to. Because you're already like going there, you know? Yeah. Palm so Springs I can is dope. Go there with my lady, leave her at the spa, go surf for half a day, cut game yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Right. To win win. Like that's what we, we always talk about is Palm, Palm Springs. Like nobody wants to go up to Lamore and Yeah. Like yeah. they Palm Springs and you know, stay in a bougie hotel yeah. and poolside and it's just a great It's like going to Cabo. Yeah. But with no ocean, <laughs> right? Now you're gonna have a wave pool yeah. so it's going to be like a surf trip and the wife is happy about it oh, yeah. man I'm in and I'm stoked to be able to get my kids to go with me like I look forward to that so that, that's a for sure so you guys are going to Hawaii next week we're going to Hawaii on Saturday for two weeks and super fortunate we have a store over there we've got a place over there what, what, uh, where are the stores located? so we only have one over there and it's on the North Shore of Kauai so it's in Princeville oh, it serves Hawaii I know we just lucked out yeah so, and I've got a bunch of friends over there. We've got a house over there. Uh, my business partner, Matt, and I, our family's bought a house together there right by the store. Nice. I've got the board, the garage is full of toys. Um, we're pretty dialed. Twice the best island. It's magic. So nuts. It is magic over yeah. there. So, yeah, we're stoked. That's we're awesome. Excited. Yeah, good for you. It's yeah. nice to get over there. It's fun. Like, and from a surf perspective, you've got a big swath of, like, I always see, like, there's a bunch. It's amazing how many people have been produced pro surf out of the North Shore. It's a small little zone. Just on the women's side, right? You've got Malia, you've got, um, well, Alana and Bethany, and I'm tr for, who's the blonde married to Jesse Mendez? Uh, Tati West. Tati West. Like, and I'll see them all going to yoga, like, because the yoga studio is up above my store, and like, oh, funny. You'll see Bark at the gas station, and yeah. and uh, I was surfing out at this one spot, and Jack Robinson, I'm sorry, Jack Freestone was out there just killing it, and then Jeff, um, who's Mr. Sunset? Jeff. Hackman. Hackman was out there. I was like, yeah. fuck, this is amazing. It's yeah. so cool. And it's just, it's just, we're so blessed. I used to spend, one of my best friends is from Maui. And so we spent most of my, I've been to Maui a zillion times. I used to go stay with him all the time. Really learn that island well. Yeah. And then this store just popped up as an opportunity. It wasn't something we, like I always made a joke. I know the guys that own a lot of the stores in Maui. And I was like, just sell me these two stores. Just these two. Yeah. You've got 20 other stores. Just sell me those two. Yeah. And uh, it was always, ha, 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 ha. And they owned three stores on Kauai, and there was this one other store, and we just got it. So it's just, it's been a, 
kind of a lifestyle well, life I, changer. We we have a place at Turtle Bay, and we're we're always going to the the one in Kahuka or the one in Haleiwa. You know, like those are my friends. Yeah, yeah. that's Pioneer Ace, great yeah. family-owned operation over there. Yeah. Really good folks. Always always something to go grab. <laughs> Right there, yeah, the corner store. Yeah. And, and we're, we're blessed because we're talking about competition. Like, you know, you go to the islands, you go to Oahu, or yeah. Oahu's a little bit different, but it's similar. Maui, Kauai, you've got the airport, you've got the Home Depot, the Costco, and then you've got the outlying communities, and you'll have a little A store, a little A store, a little A store, a little A store, and that's what we're, so we're 30 miles from the Home Depot. We're 17 miles from the other A store, and we're like a true community resource to the North Shore. So we're super tied in with the community. We do a lot of fundraisers for the local community. Because like, here's two super holidays that buy the store. Now it was owned by a holiday guy before, but we're that's what we do. We come into our markets and we just, we want to be part of it. Like mm-hmm. legitimately want to be part of it. Like, yeah. Not just because it's quiet. We do that in any of our stores. And so we get super tied in with the community need and it's just so much fun. And yeah. like here, you know, in Southern California, we're so surrounded by, we're so over-retailed yeah. and it's just super dense. You get to some of our communities where we're it. It's so fun to be it when you're yeah. like, like you know everybody. It's like it's really a small town community deal where you know everybody that comes in. Yeah. They know you. People hang out. Like it's just this really yeah. wonderful thing. So we love to be part of the community when we do that. And that's the thing I like talking about too is, you know, yeah, you're you're not a surf shop, but you're a locally owned business, right? Yep. I mean, you have stores all over the place, but. Like you said, it's community. You're, right? hi- you're, you're hiring the best experts in that that community. You know, like you need got you know, just like in the surf shop, to talk surfboard tech yeah. or wetsuit tech or whatever. Like you need those employees that know electrical and know plumbing and know this and you but know the 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 thing I love about business owners and because you're employing you know hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. they you're providing a livelihood for frick. Dude, I take that so seriously too. Like we, one of the mantras that I live by is best place to work makes for the best place to shop. If my people are happy and well taken care of, they will take pride in their store and they will take good care of our community. And um, like, we're just super, like we get complaints. Don't get me wrong. And we deal with like, I got one on Saturday. I'm like, I'm on that stuff. Like I take those personally. Like there's, if we did something, I'm gonna jump all over. Nah, that's to gonna happen for sure. regardless. But so, we've yeah. gotten like 400 five-star ratings since the beginning of the year at our stores, just across all the stores. Like, that's when I feel good. We're doing our job. The community's recognizing it. They, they, you know, it's evidenced in their pocketbooks. They're coming back to us. I mean, everybody has an option, right? You don't. You can press send right now or press you know buy right now. And most of that stuff will show up tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. People are coming in. They are appreciative. And yeah, it is a, it, we're a relationship based company. We're a culture driven company. So what I stand for is making sure, again, my people are happy. They take good care of our, our customers and we engage with the local community. So yeah, we're hiring local, we're giving back local, we're paying taxes local. So even though we're not owned quote unquote locally, everything else is local. Yeah. And we're the products we carry yeah. cater to your neighborhood. Like we have landmark retirement community across the street from here. Those people are in every day. And I promise you, a lot of stuff that you'll find in our store is specifically for them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because they're in all the time. We love them. And they yeah. just, hey, we need this. Hey, our whole community uses this thing. Cool. We got it. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're super into that. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's uh, you know, you got you to gotta buy 
what your customers need and you know like you said each each store has probably i mean you got the generic stuff but your little trinkets up in front you know like in the line and we were talking about the little yeah, the queue the, the queue it's so it's so smart the queue know? that gets you right yeah. like it, it yeah I, listen retail's tough and our i say it all the time if somebody comes in and just buys a plunger or it yeah. comes in for a, just a plunger and i don't sell them something else i'm in big trouble so if you don't leave with a plunger and some pickles because we have world-class pickles and a Yeti mug and like that's like if yeah. you leave with five, buying some five bucks I'm in big trouble I gotta yeah. I gotta sell you more so we're gonna put it in front of you yeah. we're gonna have the best stuff we're gonna make it look good and we're gonna yeah. tell you how it works that that's a dangerous maze okay <laughs> so I, I got a I got a question here it's it's you know and it might be funny or not but it's the headsets like the the the, Dude, the headsets, like Madonna. who who came up with the headsets? Is that like a corporate thing? Did your dad come up with it? Like, because you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You go into Ace Crown and you know, hey, can you help? Uh, you know, aisle this, and they're 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 working as a team. Like they're they're on the headsets. I love it. Customer service is our whole model. Yeah, and if I've got somebody putting away widgets down aisle twelve, and you need help on aisle two, I better be calling that guy over. Like. Yeah. We need to drop everything when a customer's you know within range, and so you know there's times that we have more employees than customers, pretty rare. But a lot of times, I mean it's busy. We'll have you know five to one, yeah. and so I expect like our team be running around, and you know you're just much more efficient, right? Yeah. You're more efficient with the phone than not. So we're we're yeah. just and it's we're not just, annoying intercom, you know. It's yeah, just kind of like we tried to step it up to be a little <laughs> bit more effective, and and also we're like code fifty five. I've got this guy here in a black Ruka hat, like. Yeah. Sketchy, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> left pockets kind of like looks like you stuff something in there. And you're not kidding. I mean, theft Just from kidding. the real like yeah. theft's gnarly. So that's the other part of it. Like we are we're tag teaming people that are sketch. Yeah. It's a hard time. Like right, yeah. it's gotten to be very in it, certainly in surf shops as well. It's gotten everywhere. Theft is gnarly right now. Well, so when, when, when the state that. raises it to like nine hundred and sixty or whatever dollars, you know, for misdemeanor, yeah. demeanor, you know, like guys are walking into Home Depot and. Literally taking they're like walking saws in, and they're walking into like, crown hardware or everywhere and taking sorry. saws saw, sorry, and yeah. and yetis and everything, walking everywhere. out or running out like and, and, no fear and you can't and, and you can't apprehend them you, you just, can't even touch them yeah they're right. gonna turn it on you they're gonna video it and then they're gonna put it on like it's gonna go viral that I grab like it's yeah. it's so one sided that it's gonna have to balance at some point it's yeah. gonna be impossible to manage yeah and everybody's in the same boat. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, and, and I, I mean, some of these people for sure are desperate, you know, but not when you're... A lot of it's organized. A yeah, lot of it is not, not desperation. Like, like, desperate is like you're, you're, you're grabbing a piece of food because you're, you know, you don't have a, anything, but going and grabbing a tool or grabbing like yeah. an appliance you know or what? grabbing... It's, There's but, a good chance I'll give somebody that block of fudge I got yeah. you right there. Yeah. If they're starving outside our window, the people that are ripping us off, it's more organized than ever before. Oh. It's a tag team event. They are, they, they, they know what they're doing yeah. and they are slick. Yeah. And we, there's nothing we can do. It's, yeah. well, that's not true. We have our tactics and there's a lot that we do, but it's very difficult in a lot of markets. Get Some of our markets, small towns, like the cops are there in five seconds, they're all over it. Huntington Beach, Newport yeah. Beach, they're not that engaged. Yeah. They got other things, I guess, to deal with and it's not worth them writing the report up and pursuing it wow. which is tough yeah for sure crazy any uh surf trips planned well we well, you're in hawaii which is hawaii. like you know that's a water that's, 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 that's a home away from home yeah, it yeah. is it's a water trip i'll pack we'll get some surf in 
my little guy, my 10-year-old Reef, is uh, just starting. He likes to surf in Hawaii. He likes warm water, small waves. So we'll get him out there. My awesome. son, my oldest son, and his buddy is coming. They'll be surfing every day. But yeah. like for them, they'll go out and mess around on the soft tops and shore break out front and be perfectly happy. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make me as happy. So I'll have to go find some real waves. But um, it's good living. We yeah. are looking forward to that. Nothing, nothing other than that. Although you mentioned Todd Bowsman, Todd and I keep talking about we got to get another Indo trip going. Mm. It's been a, it's been a minute since I've been over there. Yeah. That's always a good. good you want a good great stuff. industry story? Yes. I mentioned earlier Bob. Be like Bob. Bob yeah, really, yeah. I absolutely love. I had a chance to go on a boat trip um, with Bob a handful of years ago. Bowsman, Bob. Um, we were talking about Mark Metcalf. Um, a bunch of good guys on this trip. What was so amazing about Bob is, and I have a picture of, Bob made me a custom board when I was a kid, and I still have it. Sick. I was wearing a red, white, and blue rip curl wetsuit, doing a terrible off the lip, but I was on a, a board that Bob had made under his own Hurley brand before Hurley. Um, but on this trip, again, one more thing, just he was so freaking cool and left such a mark on me. And I was already a grown man at the time. And I was an adult, but it just, again, I want to be like Bob. Um, and I told him this, so it won't, if he lit, I'm sure he listens to this. He does. Perfect. So I mentioned when he invited us to the, to the campus and he walked us through personally, which was just amazing. But on this boat trip, like Bob's like, Mark, you rip. Yeah, Mark, you got like, it, he was all about making everybody else feel good the whole time. And then yeah. I saw the same thing in his, like at yeah. work and he won, like that's why everybody loves the guy. He was so freaking cool. Everybody want, wants to be with him. Everybody wants to impress him. Everybody wants a minute of his time and he wants to give it to everybody. Like he just blew my mind. And the so fact cool. that I got to go on a surf trip with him and hang was really cool and really special. Yeah. And that was a, a pretty cool experience the, for me. The one and only time I've ever been to Indo, um, boat trip guess who paddles out I'm out there and I Bob Hurley no freaking paddles out I'm like dude are you kidding me yeah. we just know if he, if he if if I've been out there quite a few times and he's been out there not every time but quite a few times and uh if you you're see making it, me feel less it, special right now if you see the Indies 3 pull up and not 10 dudes jump off only like one or two people it's Bob and everybody <laughs> I still like, feel special but uh, no, that's such oh, a God bless yeah, him, man. I love it, and that's I mean that's again like you know hard work and and and, and busting your butt to to enjoy you know stuff like that is yeah. what it's about. Yeah. And whether you whether you're well. you know selling board shorts or surfboards or or hardware or whatever you yeah. know like you know gives you the opportunity to you know go do fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. Well, shoot, that yeah. was yeah, that's cool. Sick to hear everything uh, yeah. about Crown and how. It's funny that you know you were never going to do it, and you're going to be a marine biologist know, slash right? artist. <laughs> Crazy, right? And then at 25, you're like, shoot, you know, what am I going to do? I don't know. Yeah, and here I am. My, my parents, my parents are kind of killing it. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe, maybe I'll. Yeah, and, and your the, mom the fact that you. your brothers didn't like want to go down the, the route, they carved their own path yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, it, and listen, like any business, it's been up and down. Like, there's been times oh, where I'm like, for sure, hanging on by. A th- that's not true. Not hanging by a thread, but like times when we're like, oh, this is not like 2008, 2009. Like coming in, listen, I mean, we had a banner year. We were very fortunate in 2020, but at the very beginning of COVID, we're like, holy shit. Yeah. What are we going to do? Are we going to survive this? How are we going to plan for this? Like crisis, you know, like the war room, like 
So now we're like, oh, that was yeah. a great year. And we were able to do some really magical things for our team um, and for our communities with the proceeds and some cool, cool stuff. But like a year and a half ago, it was like, what are we going to do? Like, how do we make sure yeah. we weather the storm? Yeah. You know, like they gnarly. Just, yeah. You never Turned know. Off the spout. Everybody just stopped and went, wait, two weeks. Yeah. Been, been the curve, two weeks. And yeah. then it was like a month or two. At least you guys were essential and, and were able to, but still like, who knew toilet paper was going right. to blow out or hand sanitizer and all these like categories and items that you normally wouldn't think. Or that a mask, this one ounce piece of fabric <laughs> would become the most politicized thing that we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, just a, if you can imagine this, I've got stores in, we'll call this part of Orange County purple. Yeah. A lot of blue, a lot of red politically in the middle. You got everything, but yeah. Pretty as a globally, it's pretty neutral. You're in the middle. I've got stores in places like Arizona, in Yukaipa, yeah. and that, that are either Arizona-like or Texas-like. Like Yukaipa's Texas in yeah. California. Yeah. Hardcore right, like armed and dangerous hardcore right. Killer small community, but like when the shit went down, they came out packing every one of them, and they are very strong-minded, very opinionated. And masks were not beloved in that community. And they let us know every day. Then you go to our we have a store up in Davis, Northern California, the the most left-leaning community in America. Yeah. So where I'm dead center, and yeah. I'm taking phone calls, and I, I'm like, guys, I'm the point on this. Every pissed off customer call about masks or COVID, how we're handling it, I want it. Because I just, hey, yeah. the golden rule of retail is what? Okay. Customer, customer comes first. Customer comes first. You it, can't alienate any but of your you know customers. What? I changed that rule in 2020. Yeah. I was like, my team comes first. Yeah. My job is to protect my team at all costs. We didn't know what was going to happen with COVID. We're trying to stay open. We got to be clean. We got to be safe. We got to protect yeah. our team. This is before vaccinations and people are getting mad at me for enforcing what was the law at the time yeah. to make masks mandatory in our stores and disinfecting and cleaning and plexiglass and all this stuff. But I'm taking phone calls from people like lots of expletives. Who are you to make me wear a mask? And who are you to let somebody else not wear a mask. Like I'm getting equally yeah. blasted from both sides. And I just figured out like, Hey, my job is to protect my team. You can do what you want. You can do what you want. But like, if you don't like our policies, I'm sorry, please recognize it's a, it's an uncommon place in the world that we're struggling and we're doing what we can to protect our team and make it safe for everybody. And if you're not okay with it, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. We can't help you. That's all you yeah. can do. I'm like, we'll do curbside. We'll do, you tell us what we can do. But they're like, it became very political. It was, yeah. nope, I don't want to wear a mask or nope, I want to wear a mask in your store. No, like, that's it. Like, it was all political. Yeah. And I had guys come, Mark, I'm a plumber. Are you a doctor? I'm like, nope. He's like, how are you telling me what I, I'm like, hey, Bob, you just told me you're a plumber. Are you a doctor? Yeah. Like, how are you telling me what I like? It was unbelievable. Uh, I could only imagine. Day after day after day. So like, but we figured it out and we made it through safe. And we were, our track record with COVID was unbelievably clean. Good. But it was brutal. Yeah. It was gnarly. And our team, frontline workers, oh, I give them so much credit. It was unbelievable what they had to deal with every day. We had people doing crazy shit in our stores. Oh, your bathroom's closed? Okay, I'm going to go poop over here. Oh my God. On your floor. Crazy. Oh, you're not going to do this? I'm going to go pee on your red. Like, I kid you not. This is the kind of stuff that was going on. I cool. believe you. I, uh, yeah. People are nuts. Gnarly. People are crazy. But, you know, what isn't crazy. <sighs> I'm cheap. Yeah. Is 
is you. You're not. You're not crazy. <laughs> you know, you're driven. You're goal oriented. But you no. You you um. You know, I mean, you're you got a great story, man. We're stoked that you yeah. sat down with us and talked surf and talked your all your other water sports and and. I mean, from your school and going on. Lynn likes to do the recap, so I don't want to. Yeah, no, you're doing what you're good. But like doing the uh, the the abroad school on the on the ship. What was it? Out out semester at sea. Semester at sea. Dude, that that's. You paying attention, bro? Yeah. Semester at sea is amazing. Hands together in prayer again for that opportunity I was given. Yeah. So, I mean, you did some some awesome traveling. Yeah. Han Solo, you know, most of it. Kind of learn a little about about yourself. A lot. <laughs> and six months by yourself is dangerous. Just I'm just giving you some fair warning. Yeah. Now it's cool that even though you 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 were dead set on not working for the family business and carving your own path, you know it takes a lot. You, you got humbled, right? You're like, shit. What am I going to do? And you made the best of it. And you, you know, not only have you stepped it up with more stores but like you're you're making a positive effect in in every community yeah you know which is yeah yeah i mean listen i always said i wanted to have a surf shop we don't have i don't have one but i have a lot of cool stuff i have a lot of guys that used to be in the industry or still are selling me stuff makes it super fun Mm -hmm. so i get the best of both worlds yeah i get this core business that is important to communities i'm getting to sell different kind of stuff because it's becoming more and more relevant in my industry yeah. and that kind of cross-pollination is happening more and more and more and we're able to capture it so i'm getting that opportunity i got the opportunity to do kind of the design work so our stores they do not look like a surf shop but they are cool environments because it's super important to be just like a, just hss or anybody else you've got to make it an experiential visit yeah. with great service and i think we do that better than most if not better than just about anybody else, service is our, is our mission. And it's, an, an, like my mom said, it's an, allowed us to do a lot. Yeah. And it's allowed us to give back to our communities. And I just want to say before we go that, you know, we do a ton of fundraising. This is not direct giving, this is partnering with our community. So when we do what we call like the roundup, so you come in and go, hey, this, this widget I just bought, it's 1050. We'll go, hey, would you like to round up to 11 bucks at 50 cents to X local charity? The amount of giving that the community does through our stores that then we then together give to these incredible charities is it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's it's easy, it's effective, yeah. and we make a real difference together with our communities in a lot of these organizations. And so like right now, our three Newport stores and our store in Kauai are all fundraising for the Junior Guard programs. Epic. We do our national charity that we focus on is Children's Miracle Network, which supports all the children's hospitals around the country. Chalk is one, Rady in San Diego, LA Children's. So like tons of our giving goes to Chalk, who many of our kids, mine included, have been served there. And they serve you know, thousands and thousands of kids every year, regardless of their financial ability to pay. And so you're like, the communities, like that quarter you gave adds up. We gave over yeah. $200,000 to the children's hospitals Damn. alone last year. Um, it's, but again, it's, a, it's not us, it's a partnership. We yeah. do the ask and we do the give, but it's together with our communities. It's cool. Fudge, man, yeah. it's so cool. Yeah. It's really, we're really blessed to be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, that's, a, that's a, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you for yeah. your service. Oh, yeah. gosh, thank Thanks you for, guys for providing. When you're in there and you're rounding up, just know it's all doing so much good. Yeah, yeah. We're keeping it local. Yeah.
going to your Kauai trip and um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, but you know, thanks, Mark Shoe Shoe Line. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, we appreciate it and um, congratulations on your. Is it Crown Ace Hardware? Okay. Crown Ace Hardware is our local stores, and then all of our individual stores, like our Kauai stores, Island Ace Hardware. Davis, Ace Hardware, a lot of our other stores keep their local. When we buy a store that's been in the community for a long, long time, we keep their local. Yeah, yeah, their local name. So here in Huntington, there's Adams and um, Magnolia, Magnolia, and Newport. You said you had three. We've got three in Newport. We've got the original on Coast Highway in Cronomar, right across the street from where Hobie and Becker used to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got one on 17th Street in the Coast Mesa Newport area. Okay, it's been there for a long time, and another one up in like the. Port Streets area in Newport. Those are the three local local. Nice. And then we go again. We go down to Fallbrook. We go out to Arizona. We go up to NorCal and yeah, boop, yeah. off to Kauai. Nice. Awesome. It's all good. Well, dude. Yeah. Thanks for sitting down with us and telling us your story. This has been awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Again, yeah. I'm a yeah. full surf turkey pod junkie. Love what you guys do. Really grateful to be uh, included. Like yeah. knowing. Then I'm probably the worst surfer ever to be questioned. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe we'll have a, a surf off one day, you know, like put a, put a contest together. No videos, please. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark Shoe Shoe Line. Thanks, guys. Crown Thanks, Ace Hardware. Booyah. Boom. Wave Key was created by Brad Gerlach to help improve your surfing. Wave Key is a land-based systematic surf training method. For all surfers, for all levels. Check out wavekey.com. That's W-A-V-E-K-I.com. Wax! The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, 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 we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Fuwax, the best wax in the game. Fuwax. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 